Okay. Um, you gotta stop making popcorn, though. <laughs> what do you mean? You don't. You're not making popcorn. There's, there's no. like a crumbly sound. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm opening a Reese's. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's all, it's not popcorn. <laughs> He's like, popcorn sounds hella good, though. <laughs> I eat all the popcorn. I got to open up the, um, I got to open up the outline. Hold on, I thought I had it open, but I forgot I did a restart. Good job Make on sure. getting all that done. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Make sure um, everyone's audio and microphone settings are where they want them as far as the inputs. I should have written something down. Nah, no, no, no. Just go off the cuff, man. Just let it, just kind of just let it flow out naturally. Yeah. Hey Riley, diarrhea. I'm gonna I'm gonna close. Uh, <laughs> like did you say you have diarrhea? <laughs> <laughs> did Did he just say you have diarrhea, man? I don't need to know that right now. No, I said you said just let it flow, let it just, just let run, it flow. Let, let it flow off the cuff, and I said just like diarrhea. Oh god, I'm running down the the cuff of your pant leg. I got wicked gas right now, too, so I'm going to have to mute myself like crazy tonight. Hold on, mute! I'm going to recast that one for sure. <laughs> oh, God. All right, so, so do we, uh, everybody's got the outline in front of them, and we can, uh, we can go quiet for a few seconds and then and do our intro and then and just roll? Yeah, I think so. Let me, um, I thought I had it open here. Or, uh, I have it on the wrong side. That's all. The Sour. hell is that? Sour Patch Kids, bro. Jeez. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Put that, put, put that shit in a bowl. Got the munchies. Yeah, big time munchies. Oh, dude, these are like the big Sour Patches. They're like two inches long. These are monsters. They're like fishing lures. <laughs> <laughs> Except they're only gonna catch a Riley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's do it. I'm yeah. stoked. Travis is in the house. This is gonna be cool, man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm your first cool. guest, huh? You are the first yep. guest, <laughs> bud. You are the I first feel, guest. I feel special. We'll dive into it, and what we'll do is uh, we'll kind of stick thematically with what the show is about and, and your room. And then this will be a, a bull snake go around. And uh, what we'll do is we'll use your diverse uh, collection of species as an excuse to bring you back multiple, multiple, multiple times, keep promoting <laughs> you for every species that you have. And we'll just, that way there's like no end in promoting you and no end content that we can sort of you know put together and that way we'll just have all sorts of excuses to bring you on uh because uh i think you, you need to be out there more so hey you use and abuse me however you like buddy I... <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah, so i'm happy we'll to do something like that yeah i'm happy to come on and and talk your ear off for two hours dude right, it's, <laughs> it's, it's no sweat off my back <laughs> Yeah, 
anybody who knows us reptile folks knows that that's kind of like part of our DNA. Yeah. Oh, man. That's for damn sure. Yeah. It's actually kind of nice, man. Just, just, uh, getting out, getting away from the house, come into the snake room and just like, just be able to just focus on this right now. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm stoked. I appreciate you fellas. I do, man. I do. I know I don't do a good job of showing it sometimes, but I appreciate no, you. You're, you're good, dude. You're good. Yeah. You don't have to show it. Nobody expects it. So, um, all right. So what we'll do, Andy is, uh, I'll just we'll do our normal. I'll just stay quiet until you cue me in. Right. And then, and then we'll yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. So Andy, um, I, uh, I was thinking about it earlier. I actually remember how our intro goes this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. How does it go? Tell me. Uh, you go, uh, well, whoever starts it, it can go. You're supposed way. to start it. You're the main host, man. This is your show. And he's just a sidekick. <laughs> I'm a sidekick, bro. I'm the side bitch, bro. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I can't believe I can't believe I just I said that about myself. I can't believe. Oh no! Don't. I'm gonna delete that shit so fast. You guys aren't even gonna be able to touch it. <laughs> oh no! God dang it! I can't believe I said that. God. Uh, by the way, I'm out of beer already, guys. It's. How? What? Dude, you work at a brewery. No, I mean like the I brought one tall boy in here and it's gone already. Go get more. Well that's because of my slow ass <laughs> trying to get connected. That's why you can blame that on me. We got more. Yeah. I have the whole bottle of whiskey with me right here. Oh, oh god, god, this is gonna be good. <laughs> I already had two 16 ounce bottles of uh IPA and a glass or two. <laughs> and I'm sober. <laughs> Stone cold sober. I can't drink too much. I got to be up at five in the morning. Oh gosh. Yeah, actually, so do I. <laughs> I was I was over here thinking like, oh wait, that's really early. But then I realized that that's when I'm up too. <laughs> I don't have to leave at five. I get up at five. Though. I get up at five. I got to be out of the house by six thirty. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sleeping in. <laughs> yeah, you are. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. You ready? I'm ready when you so. go, sir. Okay. All right. Just listen for me to royally fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably put myself on mute so I don't laugh. No, don't. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So I introduce myself, you introduce yourself, and I go, welcome to, and then you hit the Reptile Room podcast, right? Sure. <laughs> that's how we've been doing it, right? Uh, that's how we're going to do it today. That, that's how it's going this time. <laughs> okay. All right. Quite on set. Quite on set. <clears throat> I'm going to take a drink real quick. I can't find, I can't find my drink, though, because it's dark in here. Shit. Man, we're a cluster tonight. Oh, boy. All right, let's do this. My name is Riley Jimison. And Andy. 
From where? I thought I thought you're supposed to, I thought you're supposed to say I'm Riley Jameson with from Riley's reptiles. No? Uh, uh, yeah, you're probably yeah, right. Right? right. I'm really right? uh uh yeah. Yeah. Riley. He's all just out of nowhere. Riley. I'm Riley Jameson. <laughs> Riley. I, I, I am super monotone right now. Yeah, Dude, I little... Wake up. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> hey, Riley, Riley, I, yeah, yeah. The company's called Riley's Reptiles. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> oh, oh God. I think we might get to like one or two lines on the outline tonight. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like the first few. We're going to be like, snakes are catch cool. it up. Done. <laughs> Done. Get. Get them. <laughs> Go buy <laughs> them. Go buy them. Bye. You must buy them. Bye. All right. All right. Round two. Yep. My name is Riley Jimison of Riley's Reptiles. And this is Andy Ray with Andy Ray Reptiles. And you are listening to the Reptile Room Podcast, Episode 7. Boom. And tonight, or today, depending on when you're listening to it, or, you know, this morning, this evening, uh, this lunch hour, tonight, or today, or all of that I just said, we're joined by... Travis Johnson. Travis. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, get it out there. Travis Johnson of Living Legless Reptiles. Woo! What's up? What's going on, guys? What's up, buddy? You are officially guest number one. I love it, man. That's cool. I love it. That's and uh, so the reason that is happening for those of you who are like, wait a minute, I thought Daniel yeah. here is going to be guest number one. Everybody, yep. hold your horses. Don't blow. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Who's supposed to be guest number Dan. one? Dan. Dan Maleri. Oh, save, everybody, save your TP. The reason why it's not happening. It's because everybody's schedule has gotten wacky during this COVID-19 thing. And it's just hard to make schedules align. And we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. And uh, so Dan is officially now our white whale for the season. And what better way to kick off our uh, our, our guest tangent or uh, series by having somebody who's very, um, how do I say it? Just very close, like good friend, you know, yeah, somebody good, who, uh, good friend and, and shares our, our passion and, and in some ways to- totally surpasses us in other areas and that we all feed off of each other in different ways, man. We've been, yeah, we've been pretty tight for quite a few years <laughs> now. I'm, I'm proud to be yeah. able to say Travis is a good friend of mine and his family's amazing. And, um, yeah, Chewbacca yeah. would be proud. Chewbacca would be proud. <laughs> uh, but uh, I appreciate that, guys. I, I uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Carpet Fest brought us all together, man. Uh, yeah, man. yeah, dude. Southwest Carpet. God, how long has it been? Uh, Six years now. You, you, and me. Um, it's been yeah. This, this is isn't this Carpet Fest seven. Or is this six? 
Six. I think it's. Uh, I think it's number six. I think this one for Southwest is six. Yeah. Yeah. This is six. So yeah. So I mean, coming up on six years that because you and I met at the very first Southwest Carpet Fest, um, which was at Prehistoric Fest. Yeah, down at Prehistoric. Um, there. W- and for folks that that don't know, uh, Southwest Carpet Fest and the different carpet fests. Um, You'll definitely have to listen to Morelia Python Radio. They are the grandfathers of the original Carpet Fest, but it's a it's an opportunity for people to get together, uh, specifically about carpet pythons, um, and and just hang out, get to know each other, get a chance to geek out together, and build friendships in person versus only on social media and uh, forums, etc. So anyway, that's uh, yeah. Uh, we'll Dude, be we'll be chatting a, a little bit about Southwest Carpet Fest towards the end of the episode if we have there's time. There's a there's a UK Carpet Fest. There's a there's a now a Colorado Carpet Fest chapter, and there's wow. also an Australia Carpet Fest chapter that opened up. So this thing is international in a big way now. Yeah, that's cool. We, I mean, I I love it, man. You know, I mean. Um, the the first one um i was you know honored to to be invited to i mean um and i've been to uh everyone except for one i um and i've been even more so honored i've i've hosted um two of them i mean um which was really cool to have everybody out to hang out and barbecue and get to know people and i mean it's it's truly amazing to to be able to just spend time with reptile people. I mean, I live in a small podunk town, you know what I mean? Like there's, you know, a handful of reptile people, you know, in my county, I mean, uh, that I can hang out with. I mean, um, we have, you know, families and conflicting schedules and stuff. So it's like to have carpet fests, I mean, is, is a, just an awesome event to, get everybody together and barbecue and have a good time and talk about snakes and reptiles. And I mean, yeah, it's a blast. So. Yeah, absolutely. So. I, I really like it. It seems so far back in, uh, in the past yet yeah, seems like such a, like kind of a, a normal thing in my past where it's not like shocking anymore. But when I really sit and think about it, I'm like, man, that really did foster a lot of profound and important, crucial friend relationships absolutely. in my yeah, life. Absolutely. Yeah, for well, sure. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, a, I mean, it's awesome. You know, we might as well talk about it again. You're hosting <laughs> it this year again, right? Yeah. Well, if you know, the, uh, the COVID-19 doesn't take over the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, we're, we're meeting. The, uh, yeah. That's like what? Four months away, right? We're yeah. good. Uh, yeah, as it stands, it's still uh, June thirteenth, um, um, and uh, and it's going to be at my house in Paso Robles. And you just have to go on the Facebook group um, and 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 join, um, and then uh, I can send out addresses and that stuff as we get closer. But but yeah, I mean it's it's a great event. It's a lot of fun. I mean, like I said, I I met I met Riley, you know at the first one and um that's really kind of fostered our friendship there and andy i met you at i think the third one the second, second one. one yeah 
You you whichever, hosted the yeah, second I one. Host Whichever one it was when you made those like epic amounts of Carnitas and Nick Mutton came out and everybody was like, that was oh, the, damn. That was, that was the third one. That was the second yeah, year. that was the – Okay. Yeah. That – um, yeah, that was – oh, man, those Carnitas were so bomb, dude. <laughs> I, uh, that sounds good I right know, now. Actually. dude, you're making me hungry. Sorry. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, no, Carpet Fest is awesome. Um, I, uh, it's, it's definitely, it's connected me with people that, uh, you know, are, are now lifelong friends. I mean, and so you can't, can't put, you know, a price on that. It's worth every penny to drive out or fly out or whatever. I mean, it's, it's cool. It's, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's um, definitely no shenanigans, no drinking <laughs> happens. It, it, it's, there's no cursing. Uh, there, I mean, it's a very, very uh, relaxed environment. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's kid friendly. My kids are here, so yeah, that's true. My kids were there yeah, too. Um, yeah, we try to keep it very communally as wide open as possible, yeah, right? Oh, I mean, that's always yeah. been the atmosphere. Is if you want to come out and bring. Uh, any member of your family, regardless of age, style, keep whatever, like they'll be welcome. Absolutely, they will be I've welcome. Met, yeah, I've 100%. met people that were, you know, they just had their first snake. There wasn't even a carpet python, and have come out. I mean, and I've met and hung out with um, all the way up to, you know, people like Nick Mutton and, um, you know, and Todd Dyer. You know what I mean? That that came came out and graced us with our presence, and you know, and those guys, yeah. are, you know like you know um you know huge i mean so it's it's a great mix of of people and it doesn't matter whether you have carpet pythons or not i mean you're gonna want them by the time you leave but <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> you're, you're not getting bunch of crack yeah. bunch of snake crack yeah, dealers you're, you're not getting out of my house no shame carpet pythons so it's uh that's how it goes. <laughs> but but yeah. Deal with it. <laughs> um yeah, no, that's and and the best part about Carver Fest is so far uh in the last year in particular, it's hitting some pretty exponential growth and uh it's really diversifying the audience and the folks involved and starting to realize that there's a lot of similarities across the board, which is, you know, it's just always good to help strengthen a community by figuring out that, you know, people on the other side of whatever sort of industry or market you're, you're sitting in are not that much different than you. It helps, you know, strengthen relationships, especially right now, you know, when everybody kind of has to work together to kind of figure out, how the heck to get along with what's going on. So, and, uh, as much as all three of us have our, our, our similarity and our bond through Morelia tonight, we're actually not here from Morelia. Uh, right. It's kind of weird, but but I I thought, I I thought one species that whenever you and I were talking, I'm like, let's bring on Travis. And I had one selfishly. I had one species specifically. I was like, we got to dive in deep and, People are going to enjoy it and love it. 
Well, so when when we had been talking about bringing Dan on, I knew there were going to be challenges given his work schedule. Um, and uh, Dan, if you're listening here, uh, we really appreciate you being open to communicating thus far, and and we'll, we'll get you on uh, whenever makes the most sense. Uh, yeah, like you help, said, yeah. and if the whole world goes into lockdown, then it'll be super easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, uh, I don't think I don't think that's going to happen for some of us, though, man. That's what uh, that's what brings on a lot of stress and anxiety. Yeah. I think for the general public is you got people that have to be out there and have to. They they literally are telling people, please do not get sick. We need you. Right. Um, and uh, Dan's one of those people, you know, and and he's he's part of a necessity in society and one of those people that most people most people probably don't even know that that uh you know he, he he's a he's like a barrier he's a go-between you know for yeah for for society in general anyway i i don't i'm not gonna be divulging his information or anything but um nope. yeah so we'll get him we'll get him on and yeah. and um it'll happen but for everybody sitting there going oh you guys said dan was gonna be first yes we did we did, yeah, we did. And guess, did. and guess, and guess what? Life happens. So that's true. But here we go. Tra- Travis, Travis is going to make up for it with a pretty friggin' amazing episode. Travis is going to, Travis is going to take this ship by the bow and just like plow us straight into the storm and get us rocking and rolling from the get go. And this is going to be an adventure. So and we got, and I have a storm rolling in right now. It's starting to rain, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is awesome. So. That that was a very nice, uh, yeah. very nice and <clears throat> what we're doing. You know, what's funny is it's 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 so, not nice for my bull snake breeding <laughs> because they don't like they yeah, don't like right? storms. <laughs> oh yeah, they're supposed to be waking up, coming out of their brumation and uh, getting back they to want, life as usual, pretty, isn't it? They want pretty weather, yeah, huh? I mean, I yeah. I I don't want to jump too far ahead into breeding. I mean, but. But, no, no, we we'll, we'll wait. But on yeah, that. they uh, they should have. I already told you, man. I'm married. All right, stop <laughs> they, talking about that breeding they, stuff. <laughs> but you know what's funny is last year it happened to me too. Uh, I I set my clock to wake them up. I mean, I don't. Uh, you know, I just set a timer and I wake them up exactly twelve weeks. And uh, and last year, exact same thing happened like it did this year. Is I woke them up on a specific day. And storms. I've had nothing but storms for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's and what we all had. Looking at me like it, I don't want to breathe. I don't want to wake up. Like no. so, yeah. Every time, Ooh. every time I move, it's funny. So we're talking bull snakes here, folks. I have my two kankakees, which are freaking like they they're they're acting like they haven't eaten in their entire life. So every time I move, I just hear this like boom. Boom, right behind me <laughs> on the tubs. They're like, come on, get to it. So they're they're due to eat they're, again. They're this ravenous weekend. at this time of year. Oh my gosh. This crazy. You, you, I have to it's, it's I have nuts. to open all of my enclosures with a hook or I'll get a, a fistful of teeth every time. Yeah. I mean, it's just the way it is. Man. They're it's a it's their biological clock. I mean the I mean, yeah. even though it's rainy and they're still kind of looking at me like, yeah, I'm not ready for that. Like, 
they still they want to eat. They're it's warm enough to eat, and they're they're all about it. So. Yeah, there no, there's nothing to stop them from no. wanting no. that. They don't want to breed yeah. because it's still it, it's still a little early. But I mean, but they want they want food. It's warm enough. They want food. I mean, but well, where do you guys want to start? I mean. Well, how'd you get started in bull snakes? Like, where, what what was your first experience with them, and what really drove you to the species? Uh, so, in a, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, um, so when I first got into reptiles, which was I think somewhere in the realm of sixteen years ago, um, um, I. So how I got into reptiles, I, I was scared of reptiles. Um, I, um, I believe it or not, I loved exotic animals, but I was afraid of reptiles. Um, my mom always taught me that you know snakes were scary and reptiles were scary, and that's just kind of what I knew until I played. Uh, I was playing music professionally at the age of fourteen, um, and my guitarist, who was much older than me, uh, had a ball python, and uh, you know wanted me to hold it. And, um, uh, of course, you know, I'm a heavy metal drummer. I can't be a wuss. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nope. So I had to hold the snake. Um, and instantly I just, I fell in love with it. I started doing research. And then by the time I turned 16, um, I had my own snakes. Um, and then I was already very quickly working at a reptile shop down in Orange County where I lived. Um, and then there was a local like reptile zoo. Um, it was a nonprofit. Um, they called it the children's living nature museum. It was in hobby city down across from Knott's Berry farm. Um, and, uh, we had, or they had, um, probably roughly 250, 300 animals in their collection. Um, and yeah, wow. they, it was, it was, I mean, <clears throat> and, and it was everything from, you know, we had, they had a 20 foot Burmese Python all the way down to, you know, little corn snakes, king snakes, um, uh, you know, big monitors, iguanas. I mean, you name it, they had it. Um, yeah, you got all kinds of ex- like just right. keeping experience than just working there. I mean that that kind of diversified yeah, your experience. Well, well, so it started out with it was across the the it was across the the way from the reptile shop that I would go to. So I'd go spend some time at the reptile shop, and then I would walk across to the reptile zoo, and uh, the only person in the building pretty much ninety percent of the time was one guy. Uh, his name was Toby Derbyshire. He's a good friend of mine. Um, and he was the curator. And uh, I basically just followed him around as a 16-year-old kid and uh, just picked his brain. Um, and eventually I annoyed him enough that he just gave me cleaning supplies and just started making me clean cages <laughs> um, while because uh, he figured, you know, if, if I was going to pick his brain all day um, – uh, you know, I was going to help him clean. Um, well, I got cleaning supplies, but I'll pick <laughs> your brain all day. If you want to come over and help I, me clean up. It works man. for me, man. <laughs> I'm good. The, uh, I like cleaning cages. It's fun. So I mean, but yeah, so I was cleaning cages over there. And so, um, he had a, uh, he did 
with the reptile zoo, he did a lot of educational programs that I went and helped with once I knew what I was talking about. Um, and, uh, one of the animals we had at the zoo was this huge seven foot male bull snake. It was just a normal, um, but it was just, it just huge and beautiful. Um, and, uh, and it was super handleable. We took him to all our educational programs and taught kids about rattlesnakes and about, uh, bull snakes and gopher snakes and, you know, how they mimic rattlesnakes and stuff. Um, and I just instantly fell in love with, with the species. Um, it's kind of where I fell in love with the, many of the species that I work with still today is, is at that zoo. I mean, just having that experience with, you know, those animals, um, you know, I fell in love with them and, you know, I had to have them in my personal collection at some point. It took yeah. me a long time to yeah. get bull snakes. I mean, I didn't actually get my first bull snake until, um, 2007. Um, it was the same year I actually got, uh, my first bull snake was just an albino bull snake. Um, and I got him, um, two weeks before my daughter was born. <clears throat> um, yeah, wow. I still have him today. He's, uh, he'll be 13 this year. Um, and, yeah. Awesome. And I just, I mean, it took me a while to get him, And then of course I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I raised up a pair of males. Um, <laughs> oh, no. yeah, that, that was, uh, my, my, my lesson into breeding bull snakes was I raised two babies up from baby, you know, from babies to adults, uh, you know, four years. Um, and then I, I cooled them. I did all my cooling procedures that I do with my corn snakes and, and stuff, other colubrids I breed. Uh, and then I, I warmed them up. I fed them a bunch. I had the waited for their first sheds. I threw them together and they started combating. <laughs> uh, Ouch. Yeah, yeah and, that sucks. Yeah. So then I had to go out and buy all new baby bull snakes. Uh, and this time around, I sexed them. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Like, yeah, forget that. And, uh, and raised those up, and then that was my first successful breeding of bull snakes was was from those uh, those animals. I mean, um, but yeah, I I love bull snakes. I mean, they they're such unique snakes. I mean, uh, I mean the Potophis in general, the rattlesnake mimicry is just incredible. As babies, they're these little spitfires that you know, just want to hiss and rattle and do this, you know, all this, you know, rattlesnake mimicry stuff. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, um, and then, you know, really with minimal effort, they turn into these awesome tractable adults. And then, so yeah, I mean, I, I love them. What, what's your, um, what's your approach to keeping them? Like if you were to, if you were to put together uh, a rough uh, care sheet as far as, you know, this is how you want to aim temperature and climate wise. This is the amount of food and feeding regimen and space. So, and, you know, this is how they sort of behave. Oh, well, if you were to give somebody a quick breakdown, well, how would you, how would you, well, you so, know, set that so up how, for? 
so snake. how I care for them is definitely different than uh, the average person would care for them. I mean, so your average person, if you just had a handful of snakes or you had a, a cage out in your you know living room or what have you, um, you know, you'd, you'd be looking for like an adult enclosure of somewhere in the realm of like four to six feet. I mean, um, what terrestrial type, you know, situation. You guys still there? Oh, it went quiet. Yeah. yeah we went we're quiet listening. for a second. <laughs> we're no, we're just mute. We're muting the muting oh, our right. mics in between. Um, so yeah, so like a four to six foot terrestrial type enclosure, they can climb, but they don't really, I mean, do a lot of it. Um, you know, you could set up some tree branches and things to have them, you know, cruise around, but uh, they're they're mostly a terrestrial, I mean, um, species. Um, and then, you know, you want to keep them, believe it or not, even though they're, they come from uh, you can find them from Texas all the way up through the center of the U S into su- Southern Canada, but they really don't like the heat, which seems counterintuitive for, for where they're from. But I mean, um, that was, a that was a, that was a thing for me, like a couple of times having to get reminded from you to say, turn down uh, the heat. I, like I, I was just having issues. Um, like the first, year i had my kink keys um i was keeping yeah. them way too hot like they way way too hot and you're like no nah, man turn like it down it. they don't um, like yeah they don't they definitely don't and she was rubbing like crazy so i i did a mo- couple things is i took her out of the big enclosure into something a little bit smaller more hidden with the hide and cooled down the temps yeah totally different absolutely thing. different things they'll they'll rub their faces raw uh it in whatever you can you can have i mean i've had snakes rub them rub themselves raw in in racks i mean which seems like yeah impossible because there's nothing to rub on i mean um you know when you think a nose rub you think of like a harsh screen or something like that i mean but they can right they can do it i mean uh they're just at that they're, they're so super, strong and right. they're just, they push. Well, yeah, they'll use their head like a shovel and they can, they can dig down into yeah. the sand and yep. the substrate and stuff. And so they, all they're doing is they're trying to find cool temperatures. And, um, because during the heat of the day, they're, they're hiding, you know, they're a crepuscular species. They come out, you know, in the early morning when the sun just comes out or right in the evening, right before the sun's going to go down. They're, that's when they're out. That's when they're active. Um, and, and so during the, the heat of the day, they're hiding, they're down in a hole, they're in a rock crevice, they're in somewhere where they're sheltered from the heat. Um, and so, because I had to learn that myself, because I mean, um, you know, you read about, you know, where they're from, and you think, oh, they're from Texas, and you know, I mean, it's, right. it's hot as hell there. I mean, um, but they don't like that heat. Um, and if you keep them that hot, you're just going to have a stressed out snake. I mean, um, and so what I, I do is I keep them in my reptile room and, and they have no supplemental heat ever. Um, so in my snake room, they are at the, 
the ambient temperature of the room. Um, and that is the only warmth they get throughout the year. Um, yeah. Wow. I, don't... I, I think I remember you telling me about for the first, some reason my, my head, my, my brain is kind of blown right now. I forgot. Yeah, that. I, I forgot about I don't that. use any supplemental heat during the heat of the, the summer here. My reptile room can, can reach about 85 uh, uh, the peak of the day. Yeah. Um, but then it, it, it pretty much sits at about 80. Um, at night, it'll drop down to, you know, during, you know, the cooler months, it'll, it'll drop down into, you know, 76, 77. But it pretty much sits at 80 all the time. Um, and, uh, and that's where they sit. And that's where they're comfortable. So- I mean... So speaking of uh, reptile room, I don't know if you've heard about the reptile room podcast, but they talk about <laughs> reptile rooms a lot. Uh, so, <laughs> um, okay. Do you add additional heat just to that room though? Uh, so I'm assuming that you have all your bulls snakes in one rack then if you, if you have no heat in that no, rack. I have, I have them in multiple or, racks, um, but that's because I, I have a lot of okay, them. So, <laughs> I, right, I know, and I'm I'm trying to slowly build up my army. But so, folks, know uh, uh, not that we are 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 promoting any one particular brand. Uh, I think everyone will find that that Riley and I uh, are open to conversations on all uh, products, etc. But uh, mm-hmm. Travis uses exclusively uh, Vision racks, and so for the folks that that are familiar with them, um, they run heat cable. You can run heat cable. Uh, to specific tubs or not. Uh, so I'm assuming then, so you just don't have your heat cable on the, on the tubs that you yeah, have the, your bull snakes rack, on, or, or is it running? The racks not that connected? the bull snakes are in have no heat cable on them. Um, I don't even bother. Okay. I don't yeah. even bother putting it on because I know that that rack is specifically yeah. for bull snakes. Um, and so, um, nice yeah. and easy so i yeah exactly. i have a hatchling yeah, rack that i use that i have all of my hatchlings each year from from all the clutches of bull snakes i produce along with corn snakes um and then animals i'm raising up um uh are all in one particular hatching rack uh and that rack doesn't have any heat to it and then my adult racks that have the adult bull snakes um those don't have heat either. They're in the reptile room. Um, like I said, they sit in an ambient 80 degrees. Um, and, and they do great like that. Um, but I mean, if you, what, what, what are the nighttime drops that you're, that you have in that room that they're okay with? You said like mid seventies, high high seventies, almost into the eighties, honestly, throughout the time that they're in this room, it stays pretty much constantly 80 degrees all the time. Um, because so the hatchlings and animals i'm raising the holdbacks and stuff um they they experience my python and boa winter in the reptile room um because i don't hibernate the babies um or brewmate whichever you'd like to you know use whatever you know word you want to use but so my adult bull snakes that are going to be breeding that year um they go through a process that I end up putting them in the garage um, and they sit at 55 degrees for 12 weeks. Um, 
And, uh, and so during, so they don't ever experience the real nighttime drops that this room gets. The hatchlings do. And most of them will go off of food during that time. Uh, but those, so they'll naturally take Absolutely. themselves off of food it, because it's if there's there. a chill in the room, those things will go off food. Um, they're they're pre-programmed for you know to live in North America, and I mean uh, now granted some bull snakes are I have some that will eat all winter long, and then I have certain ones that like clockwork that there'll be a cool breeze one after you know one evening, and they're off. I mean, and they just won't eat, and it's not any specific locale it's not um a specific clutch i've had clutch mates uh one one routinely will go off food you know and uh during winter and then the next one won't i mean um but they experience those night drops because like i said i don't give them any supplemental heat um even during the winter uh so um they'll a lot of them will shut down um which works okay for me because it's uh you know it's half my collection I don't have to worry about <laughs> twelve. I mean, yeah, for sure, it allows you an opportunity yeah. to kind of take a break. I think I think Mallory, my big uh, Kankakee girl, and so for the folks that don't know Kankakee County, um, so it is a specific locality. Um, but it, so we'll get into some of maybe some of the different genetics that you're working yeah, with sure. in a little bit, Travis, but that, that girl, I swear, if, if I didn't brewmate her, she would eat year round and she would be just this enormous fat yeah. turd. I mean, she just is a nonstop eater, man. She's unbelievable. Yeah, there's some that'll just eat and eat and eat them man. but Cross your fingers for me that this year happens, man. I hope it does. But uh, especially since, especially since I dropped the ball last year. I uh, yeah, yeah. What happened? What happened? Males again. (laughs) Uh, Uh, I didn't want to say it. Yeah, I was gonna let you say it. Well, so the well, so the the eastern bulls seem to be a little more difficult to to sex as far as popping um as hatchlings uh and and so it's not the first time that that uh the breeder that i got my kankakees from has accidentally missexed eastern bull snakes um uh because they're just a little picky and so uh they after this experience, they now probe every single Eastern bull snake uh, to make sure that they don't have yeah. that issue. But um, they were really cool about it. Me and her are really good friends. And so, I mean, it wasn't a big deal. It was a bummer to not get Kankakee bull snakes, but, um, yeah, you know, yeah. I got myself a female now that I'm raising up and, uh, and we'll get them. We'll get them. So, uh, do you say eastern bull snake as in like uh it's a different locality or subpopulation or what what do you mean specifically so by east of the rockies uh kankakee are are a locale kankakee county is in illinois um and it's about okay. as far east as the bull snake range goes before you start getting into uh pine snakes um 
Okay. Just like we have. So if you look at all three Patophis, um, the Patophis genus mm-hmm. consists of um, gopher snakes, bull snakes, and pine snakes. And they, and they go in that order from left to right across the U.S. Mm-hmm. So we have gopher snakes here on the okay. West Coast. You have bull snakes to up the center. And then you have pine snakes on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, but for whatever reason, Eastern bull snakes, um, Kankakees and a few other populations, Miamis, for instance. Um, uh, and Miami, when I say Miami, it's not Miami, Florida. It's Miami, Kansas. Because um, um, I know that was. Is that a, is that a county? Do they do they have the same kind of crowds <laughs> no, and bikinis no, there? Not, not in Kansas. No. Yeah. Not, uh, not in not uh, in Kansas. Toto. They got Toto. Uh, <laughs> they got Toto. Okay. I like Toto. But, um, I like Toto. Yeah. So that's uh, that's another. Um, that's actually a, a morph, not just a locality. That's uh, yeah. so uh, Miami. Okay. The Miami um, uh, Exanthic um, is where the. Uh huh. Uh huh. I've heard, I've yeah. seen yours. Yeah, that so, thing is wicked. Those yeah, they're beautiful. they're super cool. I like. I don't see a huge difference between both. So there's two uh, allelic um, exanthics in bull snakes. Um, okay. There's the Miami exanthic, and then there's the Balam exanthic. Um, and the Balam is not a locale. It's it's a person. I mean, um, so, uh, and that's, and then there's also two forms of, uh, hypo in bull snakes as well. There's a still water hypo. Um, and then there's the, uh, trumbo or hypo, um, two totally allelic, um, different mutations. So, Bull snakes can get kind of confusing when you start getting into morphs because there's two allelic exanthics, two allelic hypos, and then you start getting combinations thereof, and it can get kind of confusing. You have to be very careful when you're breeding morph bull snakes to know what genes you have going on because it's very easy for you to purchase two hypos, raise them up, and then you know you don't actually have you you end up with double uh hats um because you don't have the same hypo um to somebody that's worked with bull snakes long enough you can easily tell um trumboer and stillwaters apart but the exanthics are a little harder um and then when you start throwing in other genes where you got multiple you know you know double visual animals i mean um, or triple visual animals. I mean, it can start getting confusing and hard to tell what, you know, what genes are in there because certain genes mask others. So, I mean, it can get kind of confusing. Sure. That, that almost sounds like another species what? in a hobby. Oh, right. All pythons. <laughs> well, but see, those are a different because half the genes are actually the same gene. They just call them different things. Shots fired. <laughs> well, yeah, either either way, when you start to when you start getting into just altering the color of a wild yeah. animal, 
you're starting to just split hairs on the color right. palette at some point. It, yeah, like, there, I'm not saying there aren't uh, pattern variations, because right. there most certainly are. But um, yeah, some of them are very, very similar. So, so before we get it to, to uh, into the weeds on, on genetics and morphs and stuff like that, I just got to ask you, Travis, are you a wild type fan or are you a morph fan when it comes to the bull snakes? I'm a wild type every chance. Dude, I, my man, I knew, I I knew you were my (laughs) man crush for a reason. I don't. No, don't get me wrong. I've got a ton of morphs and I have a lot of fun with them. I mean, um, but at the end of the day, what fascinates me about each species that I keep, which is a lot, I mean, is, is how that animal survives in the wild, how, what makes them different and unique to survive in that, you know, microclimate that they live in, um, where they're from, that sort of thing. Those, those things are fascinating to me. That's, that's how I was raised in the hobby is, you know, I mean, the people that I looked up to and respected and still do are the people that, you know, are into localities and into, you know, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, that's what fascinates me. Bull snakes fascinate me as a species, not because they come in a hundred colors. You know what I mean? Those are just, those are, yeah, for sure. It's the species, the species itself, itself that me. fascinates me. And I won't work with something that I'm not fascinated with, you know, as a species. Um, and as far as colors go, I mean, you know, uh, that's, that's all bonus. You know what I mean? Uh, my favorite species, right. you know, or let's say comes in, you know, a billion different colors. That's cool. I mean, but that's not why I love them. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's... Bull snakes are, are are super unique on their own, and in fact, as far as breedings go, I mean, getting multi-het animals that are normal wild types uh, phenotypically, I mean, actually make great breeders. Um, you know, when unfortunately with rep, you know, with you know bull snakes, everything's simple recessive, so. You know, you can, you can, and they're a colubrid, so they tend to have, you know, um, inbreeding depression far faster than a boa or a python does. Um, and you got these animals that have four or five gene, you know, genes working all together. Um, I mean, I've definitely seen inbreeding depression in my bull snakes um, at in previous, you know, pairings. Um, and it's because they're related. I mean, um, so you have, I mean, so those animals that are, are multi, multi het, um, but are normal, you know, wild type phenos, um, they're great to, to use in your breeding projects because they're, they're just a little stronger. They're a little healthier. There's just something about them that they're, you know, they're good animals to have in your breeding collection for sure. And yeah. Diversifying that, the, the blood with the, with and yeah, I mean, with, with bull snakes, each locality um, has such a unique phenotype that it affects how the gene, you know, looks phenotypically. Um, I mean, I've got some, for instance, some banana bowls that are, a line bred thing of a, of a, you know, 
of bull snake that are just, you know, they're line bred for high yellow, but they're from a particular locale. I don't know that locale um, offhand, but, um, but I mean, they're just, they're just a little different looking, you know what I mean? Like they're just, if you put one next to your kind of atypical bull snake, they look very different. They have a different, a little bit different of a head shape. They have a little bit different of a body pattern and, and how their color comes out. And so, I mean, it can, it can affect drastically how your animals, you know, look, I mean, um, now, not just the look though, too, is how about the size? Like for instance, um, Scott, a few months ago was posting those, I think they were from Montana. Yeah. Those kind of dwarfish or Colorado. Yeah. I, the, Colorado yellow Mount, or, the yellow mountain County bull snakes. Yeah. From, uh, yeah. I mean, one, they were gorgeous. They're, they're and tiny. Still, they're smaller than foolish for not getting any, but they're also small. Yeah, so now tiny. you've got a geographic, something geographically that has predisposed them to stay on the smaller end, on the smaller spectrum. I mean, I, the same kind of goes for like Rosie's rosy boas on the on the california coastline the coastal rosies are way bigger you get these larger rosies versus some of the smaller baja rosies it's like the same thing with 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 the pituophis but it's still the right. same species though they, they they haven't been they haven't been separated in any way in terms of having no. subspecies no they're so they're all just localities do you think but just a should they be subspecies? Probably. Probably. That's. I mean, they, they seem yeah. drastically different. I mean, uh, I don't know. It just it just seems like I'm wondering if I haven't done enough research to say, okay, is there like a is there a naturally occurring mountain range that has separated this particular locality for however many generations, and it's now become this dwarf species because it's changed. So then it would, you know, at that point, would it become its own subspecies? What, I don't know. I don't know how all that works, but is the correlation is the further north you get, the smaller they get. Um, and that could just be because they need, they need to hide out for winter and, and maybe, yeah, and longer, right. longer though, right? Their winter. So it's very, oh. it's very possible that, that they just don't have the resources to get the sizes of the ones that you find in like, you know, more of the Southern region of their, you know, range. Um, just because, I mean, yeah. in Texas, it's hot a good majority of the year. They probably have the resources to attain that larger size with, you know, minimal effort. I mean, as compared to you get in right. like Southern Canada and like, it's cold. Yeah, a long time, man. Pray, pray, pray will be scarce. Right. Also, I mean, that's now. That's granted, just, uh, I yeah. haven't herped of... any wild bull snakes, so I mean, uh, and I certainly haven't herped them, you know, across their range. But as far as in the pet trade, from what I can tell, the localities that the further north you get, the smaller they are on average. Um, I'm sure there's little pockets and indiscrepancies, you know, but as a general whole, it seems that way. I mean, yeah, but 
Oh man, you're making me miss working with those things right now. <laughs> They're cool. They're cool, man. I it's mean, terrible. honestly, as far as like somebody getting into them that just wants a pet. They're they're super cool. I mean, they they set up nice. You can set up a really cool desert type habitat. I mean, you could use. Um, I mean, I personally I keep them in racks because I breed them. I mean, um, I've got a lot of animals to take care of, and so racks work better for me. Um, I also don't tend to get my animals very big. Uh, I've seen a lot of people use like the big vision boa tubs. Um, or even uh, the Freedom Breeder, like, big four-foot drawers. Uh, I've seen that work really well uh, for people. But for me, the CB70 tubs um, work great. I don't, like I said, I don't get my animals very big. Um, and so, I mean, I get smaller clutches, but I get more of them because of my, you know, the way I, I care for them. So, I mean, um you know, they're, I just keep them on Aspen, but I mean, if, if you wanted to set them up cool, I mean, you could, you could do a big old four foot or six foot enclosure with, you know, a desert type setup. I mean, and they really have almost zero humidity requirements. I mean, so you could, you could right. do some really cool stuff with them. I wouldn't keep them on sand or anything, but I mean, um, but I mean, sure. So, so I've worked with bull snakes uh, off and on over the the last decade or so. Uh, not not necessarily. Well, I guess I did for a brief minute personally here, but otherwise, um, my experience has been observing folks like you and other breeders who work with them uh, in sort of a, an efficient style of keeping in the racks seem to actually work in their favor as far as keeping them low stress, which seems to be very important for sort of the high strung colubrid species like them. Um, But how, if, uh, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, you know what, this is the, the, the nudge that I've needed to dip my pen into this species. What would you recommend for somebody who's just looking to keep one? Um, as far as like just one household pet, not necessarily, uh, trying to breed if they wanted to have something that was like a nice display piece proved to whoever they lived with, or just for, uh, experimental purposes and fun, give them some kind of nice lush and lavish, I would go, you know, I would would steer steer them to, I mean, I mean, I love visions. I mean, but, uh, if, if, (laughs) how did i know that that was going to come up (laughs) even if you even if they do the only reason i say that is is i mean you could go with a glass enclosure as long as it was large enough um but what i would do in a glass enclosure is i would block out the the sides and the back and a portion of the top as long as it wasn't hindering it was, as long as it wasn't creating too much humidity, I mean, something like a screen top might, you know, block too much humidity or cause too much humidity in their enclosure, and you don't want that. But, I mean, um, uh, the Easterns deal with more humidity, so that might be an option if you wanted to go that route. If, but my thing is just you want you want less 
for them to see. Um, that's why I think that's why they work so mm-hmm. well in racks is because they are a nervous species. I mean, um, and correct, and so they're they 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 need that that sense of protection, and so and you can give them all the hides you want; it doesn't matter if they can easily see you and see a bunch of things moving around in the house. Um, you know, they're they're gonna get nervous, even in the racks. I mean, I've got some individuals that are still a little high strung. And even in the racks, they can, as I'm cleaning cages and, and moving around in the snake room a lot, um, one or two will, will start rattling their tail because they, you know, they're nervous. I mean, um, and so sure, if you're going to put them in your like living room and it, it's, it'd be a high traffic area of your house, um, I mean, you, you'd want as much, you know, covered as possible and that's why something like a vision cage or a wood enclosure or any type of plastic cage for that matter would work really well because you the only the only thing they're going to be able to see out of is that glass front i mean and so they're just they have at least a little bit more of a sense of protection they can dive back in you could take your hide and spin it toward to face the back wall so that they could get in there and they're not when they look out of their hide, they're not looking straight out into the open room or something like that. Um, and I think that's going to yeah. be your best bet. I mean, that it was a golden nugget of a Dude, lot yeah. of wisdom. No, that's perfect. Folks. Yeah, that's that brilliant. Is, I, I've, I've always agreed that uh, they, they do better when you can, control the amount of visual stimuli that species experiences on a daily basis and uh everything you just said was perfect because like i couldn't have agreed more and some of those ideas were like the facing the uh, the hide backwards was i had never thought of that but i've definitely worked with bulls in visions and found that yeah they really do appreciate uh when the visual stimuli is uh sort of like uh, confined to just one uh, pane of, of view and it's not like a 360 yeah. degree sort of thing because they are yeah. a very visually oh, keyed in species and I think I think this whole uh, oh snakes are rather blind sort of Blake's statement is uh, actually detrimental to uh, the, the general oh, keeping no, approaches of, of folks who work with bull snakes yeah. they have amazing have vision, amazing vision. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're very much a crepuscular, you know, species. I mean, they spend their time active when, I mean, there's light out. I mean, um, and they're very visually stimulated. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can, you can very obviously see, you know, when you keep them that movement and, and that sort of thing, that, that type of visual stimulation is very important. Even when I'm doing educational programs, I take, you know, I occasionally take a bull snake to educate people about, you know, rattlesnakes and, and gopher snakes and, and their rattlesnake mimicry and stuff. And um, if you're moving around too much or you're, you know, I mean, that that visual stimulation is very important to them. I mean, they can they can be sitting there in your hands just, you know, placid as day and they've got too much moving around. I mean, 
and they can start to get nervous. Even the most placid ones. I mean, if they're just overstimulated visually, I mean, and so they, they just do better if you can limit that. So if you're going to keep them in a, in a big enclosure with, you know, a glass front or something like that, that's needs to be the, the minimum or the maximum amount of visual stimuli is, is that, you know, that glass front and that be it. I mean, in a full blown glass terrarium, like they just, they're going to rub their faces raw. Like they just, they don't, they don't handle, they're not nearly as like high stress as like I've worked with coach whips. Um, Like I've worked with like coach whips and a lot of rat snakes uh, um, uh, back at the reptile zoo. And like, those are very, very high stress animals, like even more so than bull snakes. I mean, um, and they're kind of the same way. That's how we did it at the reptile zoo. Like was, I mean, um, you know, you, you have their, you have them blocked out on the sides, the back, any, if you can cut down the visual stimuli for those animals, they just do a lot better. And the temperature, uh, a lot of people, like I said, they, they keep them too hot. There is no need for them to have a 90 degree hot spot. Um, if they have enough of a cage that they can go and use that basking spot. Now, I mean, if you were just had one bull snake and it was in your living room and you had, you set up the cage and you didn't have any, you know, you reduce the visual stimuli as much as possible. You know, you, you definitely want a hot spot. I mean, but it doesn't need to be, you know, 90. I mean, necessarily, as long as, the ambient room temperature isn't too cool. I mean, um, you know, these animals can go down into the forties, you know, during the winter and be just fine. So, I mean, you're, unless you drop a rock on one of these things heads, you're not going to kill them with temperature. I mean, as, as far as cool temperatures, I mean, but, um, with heat, you're going to stress them out so bad that all they're going to do is run, 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 trying to hide, you know, looking for a cooler spot. And they're never going to find it if your enclosure isn't properly set up. And I mean, and then, yeah, they're just, they're going to, they're stress out and, and they'll, they'll rub their faces raw. It's, it's, and then you just don't want it. I mean, that's what I did pretty yeah, much. For I've like done the it. First I've done it. Absolutely. My kinkies. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks because it's like I couldn't figure out like, man, it's like she will not stop. She was nonstop. She started rubbing. She started messing up her face. And that was and that was when you and I were talking. So if anybody that doesn't know, uh, Travis got me into bull snakes. I had kept um, gopher snakes in the past and herp them. And I've always loved gopher snakes. Pituophis in general were always some of my favorite, but I had never kept bull snakes. Travis got me into them. It was, it was just a natural thing. I mean, when we were at, we would be doing reptile shows together, just hanging out, we'd be talking. And most of the time we'd end up talking about species <laughs> I didn't have. And you then by them. the end of the weekend, <laughs> I'd end up. And then, uh, yeah, somehow yeah. I had them. Yeah. My, my favorite, like by far, uh, was, was, a. I can't. Well, it was a gift from Travis. Don't don't. Not everybody can ex- <laughs> be expecting a gift, but my albino, my albino male is like the 
he is such a stud and he's never been this like high stress or, or nervous animal when he's hungry, he's hungry. And I, and I let him be what a bull snake is. Uh, but he is so handleable and he is so chill. I just want people to understand when they're hearing these terms like high energy or nervous or high strung, that that's no, not necessarily a bad thing either. That's just learning. Take these words of wisdom that Travis has given you. I, I, I think Travis, that there's going to be some people that are probably going to listen to this that are going to be like, Oh my God, you're keeping bull snakes in racks. Well, guess what? Riley and I've had this conversation in the past. I had my big girl in a big enclosure. I've had her in a four foot, uh, uh, animal plastics T8. I had her in a smaller boa file. Both of those were front opening, big glass, constantly seeing me walking in and out of the room. And it was high strung nervousness every day. And to the point where I finally had had enough and I, I did what you did or told me to do, which was basically, dude, put her ass in a rack, shut off that heat and just see what happens. And a completely different snake. Now she doesn't rub. Uh, it's like I said, it's an amazing snake. So don't, don't be discouraged by Facebook groups, folks. Cause you're going to, I've been torn apart on a Facebook group. I had a, a video of her eating and she's just like a, I love watching this girl eat. I mean, she is just a freaking beast. Um, and somebody just, tore me to shreds because I had her in, in a tub and, but wouldn't listen to the reasons why I had her in a tub. So, and this kind of goes back to our debate of cages versus racks. And I mean, everybody needs to find a way that they, that they're able to keep their animals. And I think that if, if, if a rack system works and they're comfortable, then what's wrong with that? I don't see anything wrong with it. It's working for me. So, I mean, it's working for you and it's works for a whole lot of other people that we know that breed them successfully um, yeah. and they have healthy animals. So if you have a healthy and content animal, folks, I'm, I think- uh, I'm waiting on a, a coastal carpet to drop a clutch of eggs right now in a rack behind me. So all, all of my coastal carpets yeah, you are see? in racks. Oh, I mean, um, I, I own three cages right now. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, you've got yeah. two of them full of lizards. Two of them have lizards. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, um, Wait, what's my the Argentine bow? Oh, that's one right. Of my, that's right. Argentine girl Argentine That's right. She doesn't. She doesn't fit in the tub, but that's because that's she's right. eight plus feet and thirty pounds. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's she's a monster. She's a monster. She's but, a um, monster. but yeah, no. I mean, uh, well, but. You know, uh, I mean, I've used I've used racks for a long time. They work great. Um, I mean, and so uh, I don't uh, I don't have any problem with keeping animals in racks. They do great. They're healthy. I I get successful reproduction. I mean, from a a, a very wide range of species. Um, so uh, I mean, racks work. Um, it's not the prettiest thing to look at. Like I get why people want to have like nice cans, you know, fancy cages. I mean, um, you know, but, uh, for what I do as a breeder, I mean, they're, 
they're the most functional way for me to keep my animals happy and healthy. So, um, I mean, um, but yeah, no, like I said, I keep my bull snakes in CB 70 tubs. Um, but like I said, I don't, I also don't have very big bull snakes. Um, you know, um, my biggest bull snake is, uh, maybe six and a half feet long. Like maybe, I mean, uh, I've never taken a tape measure to him, but I mean, um, you know, he's, he's going to be 13 this year and, um, he's just not very big. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't have very big bull snakes. Um, but I don't have very big anything. I mean, um, I have adult coastal carpets that, you know, live in racks and have plenty of room. You know what I mean? Um, because they're just, they don't, they're not very big. I mean, I don't have, um, you know, super big snakes. Um, I generally correlate really, you know, people, especially these days in the hobby have a, a big problem with the correlation between maximum size and adult size. And, um, just because a carpet Python can, can, you know, reach six or seven feet doesn't need mean that they have to be that big. It just means they can get that big. And just like people, some people are taller or thicker. Some people are skinnier and, and taller. I mean, and snakes are no different. And, um, and so unfortunately I think there's, there's a little bit of, you know, misinformation there that or a misinterpretation of information there that that people uh you know they freak out that you know you got you got something in a rack system and and it's like well i mean my adult bull snakes i mean the biggest meal they ever get is a medium rat i mean you know they sure uh they don't need to eat small rabbits and stuff like that i mean and if that's how you want to keep them that's fine that's it's your animal you can keep them however you want but i mean for me i don't i don't need them that big and so you know they work great in the cb70 tubs i use the the little freedom breeder ones I, i'm i'm a new fan of the freedom breeder they made us came out with a cb70 with the the cup in it um I absolutely oh, yeah. Yeah, I love saw, those. Yeah, things. I saw those. Um, yep. Did Did you get the ones with no? The, there's the, there's the no drilled the vents the, in them. The, the drill. Um, I well, I should in my hatchling ones. I've got some hatching ones that have the the holes drilled in the side, and um, yeah, I don't need them. Do I like mean, those? my vision racks have holes in them. Um, so, so I mean. Um, oh, that's true. Yeah. If anything, I mean, entire, for a species that top. need a little bit higher humidity, like I have some long tail boa babies this year uh, that were in those that I was trying out. Um, and if anything, I just had to to be a little more mindful of, of misting um, because of how much airflow they had. Um, I mean, uh, but... Um, but I kind of get that already in visions anyway, because the entire top is, is, has ventilation. Um, and so for my higher humidity species that, you know, uh, a lot of the boa, you know, boa constrictor stuff that yeah. I work with has to be kept on like coconut husk and, and be, you know, wetted down and, and, you know, um, but. Of course. 
Yeah, you're working. You're working yeah, a little bit sure. extra for then, those animals. Um, but yeah. Well, and that goes into a lot of conversations that Riley and I have had about having a diverse, uh, you know, having a diverse collection with so many different needs. And the fact that you can work this species in there, kind of going back to what we talked to earlier about not even having heat on them and just relying on the ambient, where that would be the minimum for a lot of your other animals. These guys are like, oh, this is awesome. This is golden. They're like in, in you know and a premium temperature pretty much year round the way that they like it. Uh, I think that's pretty cool that you can, that, I, that's what I've found so far for me. Now I don't have the number of bull snakes you have. Um, but like I've had to put my bull snakes. So whereas having a dedicated rack for them, I've had to put them like right. on the bottom tubs on some of my racks right. where they're going to get the lowest amount of heat. Um, but uh, I think it's cool that you're able to work in all of this big, diverse collection. And for folks that don't know Travis's collection, definitely give him a follow. We'll get into where you can follow him. I'll have links and everything for him, too. But uh, he's got some uh, absolutely amazing, amazing animals. Um, so it's pretty cool to see, to just see how, how you have stayed focused yeah, I, on your bull snakes all it. these years, man. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think bull snakes would do well with me. Unfortunately, like I really enjoy them, but I run an ambient. That's not plus. horrible, though. I mean, it's so so in my snake room because I I keep so many different species. I mean, uh, I have to, you know, I have to do certain things. I mean, I don't run any heat in this room. Um, sure. I've got enough cages in here that the ambient just stays where it is. Um, uh. Okay. And, um, and so, I mean, uh, for colubrids, um, I work with bull snakes and corn snakes. Um, and, and so those guys are in, in racks that don't have heat and the- <laughs> FYI, Travis got me uh, into corn snakes again too. I, oh, I know. <laughs> I think this is not a good friendship. I, I, I have, you're you're making I me spend an, money that I can't an be spending. Just just send me your jungles. Just All send of you me, guys suck. Send send me your jungles, and that'll make room for all your future corn snakes, and everything will be right with the world. I I, I technically don't own any <laughs> I thought jungles. You didn't like jungles anymore. Me? Are you kidding? So, you don't know any freaking. I know. I know. I know. Mr. Popwin. Uh, okay. Okay. Moving on, moving on. So talking about temperatures. So my room today, uh, got a maximum of 82 for like most of the day. And then right now it's the coldest because I turned my heater off because I'm in my snake room and I didn't want to be standing right next to the heater, which is at 73, which is fine. They're, they're fine. Everybody's got their own, their own heat. But so from like, 10 o'clock until about seven it was which, which isn't bad i mean that's i mean during the heat of the summer i mean during the the heat of the day when the sun's beating down on the on the house i mean um i mean our yeah are no, you are you my, fighting that heat a lot though i mean it's my like house you're saying pretty well isolated peak, I mean, right? but is that too but much? i mean 
but just as as nicely insulated that keeps it warm it also doesn't let it cool down very fast and so during the during the during yeah during the oh, summertime it holds on I mean, to heat. it'll be yeah. you know 85 during the heat peak of the day and it really probably will only get down as low as 82 at night i mean um during the summertime yeah. it, it hangs on to that heat um which uh, i mean does okay for us because of how many boas and pythons i work with i mean and the bull snakes don't seem to be you know affected enough to you know to cause any nose rubbing and that sort of thing or high strung stuff i mean um but if i if they had an amb- i mean if they had you know supplemental heating on top of that it would be i think too much i mean and that's why i run them with no heat is because i mean it's just not needed for them they digest just fine they eat just fine um and unless they were in a yeah and they yeah. well yeah i mean bull snakes, so bull snakes are very very tractable animals when you raise them i mean as babies, they're they're this little spitfires that want to hiss and rattle and do this whole rattlesnake mimicry stuff. Um, but it's all a defense. It's you know, um, and as you, believe it or not, even when you pick them up, ninety percent of the time it just turns off. I mean, um, uh, and so, and as they get older, they feel less and less threatened by you and get more comfortable with handling, just like any other species. I mean. Um, and as adults, 90% of them, I mean, are really, really mellow animals. Um, and, but if you give them high heat, I mean, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be upset because they want, they're stressed out. They want to cool down. They don't want to be that hot. I mean, um, and so, yeah, they, So, so to shift, to just kind of shift us over towards some of your specific projects coming up, um, for this upcoming breeding season. And and maybe we, I don't know if maybe this is going to lead into another episode in the future or what, but, um, could we, could we go into maybe just a quick recap for, for anybody listening that's interested in potentially getting into bull snakes and breeding them? Like, what is your... It's like start, let's, let's say the start of the brumation, just kind of go through your breeding process, maybe like just a quick recap. So it starts with, um, how does it start? Everybody gets fed, um, uh, bi-weekly, um, up until, I mean, so for the majority of the year and then come, uh, November, um, I give them they're they're in the regular their normal temperatures that they're exposed to but i cut off the food um and so all of november they have regular temperatures um but then no food and then on black friday um i roll them off into the garage any of my adult breeders that i'm looking to breed that year um get rolled off into the garage um and when I put them down there in November, my garage is sitting at like 65, um, at first. And then it's, it slowly cools off um, okay. to, uh, 
The lowest I've gotten ever in there was um, was 45. Um, but routinely, um, every time I go in there and check on them, um, I, I'll go in there and check on on the temps uh, when I have freezing nights. Um, you know, when it's freezing outside, I, I go in there and just double check that it, it hasn't gotten too cold in there. Um, but my kids are really good about not opening in the garage during the winter time. Um, and so, uh, it yeah. sits about 55 degrees in there. Um, I've also got a big chest freezer that's constantly blowing out, you know, air, uh, hot air. I mean, because of the generator that keeps it going. So, um, that helps, um, and my garage is pretty well insulated. So on people's garages that are not well insulated, um, at, that could potentially be a problem. I mean, um, but but yeah, I, I sit them. They sit about fifty five degrees um, basically the entire time, and then I just set a timer on my. I set an alarm on my phone for twelve weeks. Um, at twelve weeks, I go in there, I grab them, and I bring them back. Um, I just put them in the snake room. By that point, it's still cool in here at night. I'm cool. It's still cooling off um, to seventy at night. Uh, but that ambient nighttime temperature is starting to rise because it's starting to be warmer outside. And so, um, does, does that wake them up relatively quickly or do you give them some time to acclimate before you offer their first meal? At those temperatures, um, by that point, um, they're rearing and ready to go for food. Um, and, um, yeah. And so I'll offer meals. Um, I'll offer weekly meals at that point for all my adult breeders, um, male or female. Um, and uh, are you are you going with the the same size food that they left off of the previous season, or are you going with the smaller meals to kind of get them to get them going? I hit them with, or just I hit, hit them, them with, right off the bat with their with, with the, medium with the sized big. rats. Um, Right, which is what they were feeding on during the normal time of the year. Yeah, all your adults. Uh, The only time I ever falter from that is females that have just laid eggs uh, for about uh, two months. Um, I'll I'll pump them up with like more of a large rat to just kind of get them get them some calories because it, yeah, takes, get them some calories. it takes a lot out of them i mean to to produce yeah. a bunch of eggs um and so i i have to do that um because if i don't if i just put them back on the rodent size that they were on what i find is um by the time i need to start cooling them down again i i haven't I haven't, they haven't regained enough weight for me to feel comfortable to put them back into brumation. So, I mean, so I like, I like bumping up females just a little bit, um, for those, that short period of time. Um, so, so how many meals are you typically giving them? So you're waking them up, like say, right. Well, you, you woke up your bull snakes, uh, so for everybody that that were on the West coast. Uh, So you woke them up two weeks ago, right? Three, three weeks ago, I think. Three, three or two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. I woke mine up two weeks ago. I I was like a week after you. Yeah. You're close. It it can be close. Believe it or not. And realistically what I should have done is. And. Well, some people say they go way into April. I have to say that last year 
last year I and this year time. with getting these weird kind of two weeks of this weird cold rain, um, I, I could have easily kept them down uh, for another two weeks and it wouldn't, it wouldn't have hurt them that much. What, it, what yeah. ends up happening is they, they come into the snake room. They're, they're warm enough now to eat. Um, and so they are eating, but, um, what, what I'm going for, for breeding, uh, with is I've paired everything I wanted to pair, um, just for a weekend, um, just to get them kind of used to each other. Um, because I'm pairing animals this year that I've never paired before. Um, so I just kind of wanted to see how they were going to react because some males, I want to see some interest. Well, see if there's right. any interest initially, interest. right? I mean, because you uh, want to see. Um, the biggest thing is I I want to see how they're going to react to one another because bull snakes breeding is mildly violent. I mean, so I mean, uh, sometimes males are very aggressive breeders and they just immediately pin the female to the wall and breeder, um, and and then there's some females that immediately want to hide. And, and run. I mean, and it, it stresses them out. And and so I wanted to get the initial reactions of how those pairs were going to work together because they've never been paired before. Um, but do you do you ever have to worry about speaking in terms of, of them being violent with each other like that um, or, or aggressive? <laughs> I don't know. I don't like saying violent. I don't know why, but they, they, they are. they're they're they're, naughty they're just naughty um yeah <laughs> they're, they're a little bit kinky they, they, that's fine they just like some uh, biting nothing it's wrong with that hey i'm not yeah. judging little, little nibble that's it that's it um <laughs> yeah. a little nibble here and there never hurt anybody right <laughs> so but do you ever have to worry about a, the, the Eating female or the male uh yeah um eating each other now I mean, okay. knock on wood, I've only ever had it happen once, and it was they were young. They it wasn't a breeding thing. It was a it was actually two sub adults um, that uh, I happened to. I I was cleaning enclosures, and this was a long time ago. But um, I was cleaning enclosures, and I um, or I was feeding and cleaning enclosures, and so I I fed two in uh sub adults in separate enclosures and then i needed to clean one of them so i took that animal out after it was done swallowing um i put it in with another one oh uh, just God. for the 10 seconds it takes for me to clean out that enclosure um and then when i went to go put that animal back sh- she was swallowing the other one um and uh Fortunately, uh, uh, I actually, uh, I got them, I got her to spit him up. Um, and yeah, he, he's still alive. Was he still alive? First bull snake. Uh, he's he's 13 now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. No way. That's the same dude. Yeah. The the female was his sister, um, that I had, uh, so I originally, my first bull snakes, I bought, I bought an upside down trio by accident, not knowing, and I didn't ever sex them. And so, uh, and I sold that female. Yeah. And, and, 
oh, so God. Had two boys, uh, and that was my first oh. attempt breeding. But yeah, no, she she tried to eat him. Uh, then they were the identical same size. I mean, they were clutch mates. I mean, uh, and she she was just still in a food response, and um, and being uh, you know he moved, and that's all it it took was uh, you know. Um, it moved and it was still feeding time in her mind. And so she tried to swallow him. Um, she got him about halfway down. Um, and, uh, I was able to kind of pester her with a hook. Um, and she spit him up and he was just fine. And, um, but I've never had that experience with breeding. Um, I've never, they they do a lot of biting. Okay. Um, they'll bite each other from the, the the male will bite the female in the back of the neck. Um, I mean, but I've never had them try to eat one another as an adult animal. Um, not to say that that couldn't happen, but I mean, I generally so, keep them right about the same size, right. just in hopes it, that I don't ever have to worry about something like that. I wouldn't put like a really small female with a big male, or vice versa. I mean. Um, well, I got a smaller a male with that girl, Mallory, my yeah. big female Kankakee. Yeah, she's a beast, dude. So it'll be interesting to see. He, it, I, I was going to do it last year, and I got scared, and I was like, just, he's just not big enough. Just he's a, just not big well, enough, male, and I was like, in, no way. I'm going to wait. The male is actually I'm going to keep an eye on him, basically. Is... Na- naturally speaking, I mean um, – yeah, and uh, they have big, a little yep. bit bigger, broader of a head. They they got a little bit bigger of a body, um, and so they and they kind of need that. If that's his style of breeding, if he's a Russian biter on the neck and pinner to the wall bull snake, um, he needs to be big enough to not get kicked right. around. He needs, I mean, yeah, he needs um, to be and uh, but as far as breeding goes, what I'm looking for is I just want to do it to get that initial, you know response um but none of them really i didn't see any breeding activity from what i could tell um what what you want to shoot for is you keep feeding them until they have that first shed out of brumation um that first shed is their pre-ovulation shed um because the the cooling temperature and then the rise in temperature that spring temperature that's what kicks them into gear and so um so that's what I'm looking for before I really am concerned about breeding. Like they won't be paired again until that female sheds. Um, so I, I, I don't even worry about pairing at this point um, until I get that first shed. And then they get a label on their enclosure that, that they've had a first shed and then that male will go in and he'll go in for, you know, three days three or four days and then it gets pulled out and then they'll feed again because I'm feeding them weekly at this point, um, you know, to really boost that, you know, that calorie intake for, for them to produce and, and that, you know, a reminder that, Hey, it's springtime and, um, uh, you know, it's time to, to, to breed. And then, so there that, and then, and then it's lightning fast after that, like, you know, in comparison to like breeding boas and pythons and stuff, like um, bull snakes and and corn snakes, uh, they're at breakneck speed. I mean, um, you have that ovulation shed, 
um, just a couple weeks after, you know, bringing them out of brumation. Um, and then um, they'll mm-hmm. pair up a couple times and then she'll shed again. And that's a pre-lay shed. And you have 11 to 13 days from that second shed before you're going to have eggs on the ground. So, so how long is typically after you've uh, paired them up that I mean, second shed? A couple weeks, honestly. It's it's fast. It's you you have to pay so close of attention to that female's sheds um, because it literally goes by in a blink of an eye. I mean. And what were you so after her prelay every, shed? Every she, bull snake I've ever bred was on the eleventh day. She'll shed wow. in eleven days on the dot. Now that ranges. I mean, really, it could be eleven to like fourteen or something. But I mean, um, I mean, everyone that I've right, ever yeah. bred um, has been on day eleven. Like clockwork. Now, are bull snakes? Will they? Will they maternally incubate their eggs, or, or are they going to find a nest site? They're really and weird. Deposit um, the eggs and then leave. They're, they're again like nothing. I well, I mean, they're like the corn snakes, um, but um, they'll lay their eggs wherever they so choose. Um, and uh, by the way, pro tip: uh, hold their water bowls uh, on day ele- ten, because <laughs> because uh, for some reason that seems like a great place to lay eggs is right in the water dish. Um, and uh, and if your water dish is big enough to fit the entire clutch, your entire clutch will be gone. Um, so, um, so yeah, so you pull, you gotta oh. pull the water dish. Um, I don't, I used to give them, uh, like a, a tub, um, with like, you know, some damp sphagnum moss in there to, for them to lay their eggs. And, uh, they 99% yeah. of the time they never used it. Um, they would just lay them wherever they wanted. Um, most of the time, like on top of the tub, behind the tub, underneath the tub, um, you know, just kind of wherever, uh, some, some, sometimes they'll just kind of like, they'll be cruising around their cage and they're just laying eggs. Like, um, they, for some reason don't, wow. do, you, do you, you have a certain, you have time though, right? Like if you don't, if you yeah, don't you get, have, uh, you have 24 hours, I mean, the right if they're rolling around thing. in there. I mean, you got about 24 hours before they're you know, they're toast. I mean, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I said, I put a label on the front of the cage and I said, you know, I, I actually write the date, the 11th day from that shed cycle. Um, and, uh, I'll even set a timer on my phone, you know, an alarm to check this female. Um, and, uh, she'll lay them wherever, like I said, I'll pull the water bowl cause they have a bad habit of wanting to um, lay them in the water dish. Um, and then, uh, and yeah, and they don't like, they kind of sit on them, but they're not really like, they're definitely not wrapping around them like a carpet. Like, um, 
they they kind of lay them and then they're just kind of like laying next to them they might have like a little bit of their tail kind of like draped over them um i've even had a female kind of like lay around her body which is really weird like like if that makes any sense like she her tail was like her tail and body was like through a part of the the mass like like she like somehow laid them around yeah. where she was sitting and then just left them there but yeah she's not they don't wrap them or or incubate them at all uh they're but they don't really need it that that's a, another thing that goes back to the temperature thing like i don't incubate bull snake eggs um so how do you how do you how do you take care of the egg? So how do you prepare? She laid her clutch. Okay, so so your females laid laid right. her clutch, and you you pull the eggs right. So and how do you prepare I your have, egg boxes? Um, I use uh, Paralyte. I take a, a six quart um, tote. It has two air holes punched in it. Um, and I, I make the paralyte kind of dry in comparison to how you would make a python um, incubation box. Um, uh, with pythons, what I do is I make I make the paralyte pretty damp, where you would scree- squeeze a handful, and no water will come out. But I mean, just the borderline uh, thereof. You know what I mean? Um, uh, and um, and then yeah. I put a, um, those light diffusers over them, um, and then um, uh-huh. and then those eggs you know go in the incubator, uh, and they're at eighty seven point five degrees. Um, but for with bull snakes, I I won't use the light diffuser very often. Um, for whatever reason, they seem to do better without it. Um, and and then I'm and I just make it a little drier than I would. I'll make it how I would make it for a python, and then I take a you know a handful or two of dry perlite and then add it on top. And then I'll like mix that in a little bit, um, and then just do like a thin layer of of kind of dry, basically dry perlite on the on the very top, which is where the eggs are sitting. And I'll make little indentations to for the egg, you know eggs to sit in um you know mark the top just like you know you would a a python clutch but then i take that box um and i usually by the time i'm getting bull snake eggs my incubator is in the garage i have a, a refrigerator uh incubator that i built and the the freezer section is a lower temperature than my refrigerator section which is where i have all my python eggs um and so I set the the okay. uh, I set the freezer section for uh, for my colubrids, and it's set at um, uh, like eighty um, as where the 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 pythons are. You know, I set it like eighty seven. Um, but and you could even I I, I even uh, gotcha. I tend to even set it at like seventy eight, seventy nine. Um, uh, but but usually what happens is is a few weeks into incubation my garage is starting to get too warm that that it won't maintain that 78 or 79 degrees or even 80 degrees in that um 
in that freezer section. It starts to climb and my alarm starts going off saying that it's getting too hot in there. Um, Mm. My Python eggs do fine um, because it stays at 87, uh, you know, the, the entire time through incubation. But um, for whatever reason, the, the, the bull snakes, uh, you know, because they have to be a cooler temperature, my garage incubator just won't work. And so what ends up happening is when I start getting that alarm, I actually yeah. take the eggs and I bring them into my snake room and I put them on the top shelf of my rack. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, you're already having eight, a good general temps throughout the day max anyway. in my snake so- room. And they sit there for the remaining few weeks of incubation. And I just, you know, I write on the tub what their hatch date should be. And, uh, and they'll. And what, what is that normally from, from, from the time that they lay to your I hatch get, date? I get typically uh, how, about 56 how to 60 days, give or take. Um, a lot of that has to do with just temperature. If it's warmer, it'll, they'll go faster. Um, but if you go too fast, um, you'll get a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, deformities um they don't like it very hot um you know where they would be laying in the wild is they're going to find you know a burrow to stuff them in or under a log that's not going to get a lot of direct you know sunlight the top of the log is but by the time you get underneath the log or in the log you know it's going to stay pretty constant and so um yeah so if they get too hot, you're going to start getting kinks and, and that sort of thing. Um, but I mean, I like, right. Okay. Good to know. Like I said, uh, in fact, even sometimes in the snake room, I won't trust the very top of the rack. I'll put them like in the, in the closet in my snake room. So my snake room is a single car garage bedroom. I mean, you guys know this, but listeners don't. It's a single car garage that was converted into a bedroom and it has a closet. And the closet has a shelf that's about, you know, waist high. Um, that's my most preferred place to put those clutches um, because uh, obviously there's no risk of, you know, them sliding off the rack or being too hot. Yeah. You know, it's in the middle of the room, so it stays more constant than being closer to the ceiling or closer to the floor. I mean... Um, but yeah, they spend the rest of incubation right there on the shelf. Um, and yeah, 56 to 60 days roughly, um, is when I, what I'm getting hatch, you know, um, you know, pipping and they pip all on their own. Uh, once one pips, I'll go ahead and throw a, a little slice in each one. Um, but I don't like, you know, scoop out the top. Like there's no, I mean, there's no, yeah, there's no need. Well, there's no need to do that. There's no need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> for, I mean, but, um, you know, yeah, uh, true. definitely it's, it's easy to get the, you know, the anticipation is it's easy to get the, yeah, the excitement. Well, especially when you get into excitement, breeding yeah, with exactly. morphs. I mean, you got, you know, um, there's a lot of different colors. Yeah. And, I mean, all of the bull snake morphs that I work with, uh, they're multi multi head animals. So I don't have one clutch that I produce every year. That's all one thing. Um, you know, all the, I mean, my look, if, you know, my locality stuff, obviously, I mean, but 
Um, as far as morphs go, I mean, I have multiple, you know, mutations um, hatching out of each and every clutch. And so it's like, oh, man, what, what's the next one going to be? I mean. Well, let's, let's exact, we'll get into like, so in terms of your bull projects for this upcoming season, like, so what are, what are the pairings that you've got going on that people can get excited about now? Cause I, I here's the thing is that bull snakes, one of the, one of the, uh, one of the topics that we had on our outline was like, what do you see Absolutely. for the future of bull snakes? More <laughs> people should be keeping them. I think, I think more people, yeah, exactly. Well, I think more people are keeping them because I rarely see them available because they're getting snatched up so fast online that most no. readers don't even have them available at a show. Like, so if if you're interested in bull snakes, right now Absolute. is the time to Absolutely. get start reaching out to the bull snake breeders like Travis. And, you know, they may not do lists, but at least say, hey, I'm interested uh, I'm going to be following your page or following your updates so that when that time comes and you have hatchlings available, I want in on no. that. Don't they're wait gone. until like they're gone. August. Bull snakes. So, I mean, I definitely think more people should keep them because yep. they're awesome snakes. But as far as, uh, you know, and the future, the future is only getting brighter, more combination, you know, morph combinations are coming out. Um, more localities are being found you know, on a regular basis. Um, I mean, it's, it's an exciting time for bull snakes for sure. I mean, and, and as far as getting some, absolutely, uh, you know, track down, you know, um, the, the good breeders, um, you know, or track down a couple good breeders. Um, and, you know, and you, you do, you have to kind of watch their page like a hawk. I mean, um, you know, some, some of the breeders I know don't do like waiting lists or anything like that, but the key, uh, in how I've collected bull snakes is, I mean, I know some good breeders and I've become friends with them. And, um, and so you want to start hitting people up in like July and, and ask, start asking about, you know, their bull, sp bull snake offspring. I mean, because, in July is when eggs are getting laid, um, uh, or eggs are hatching for me. Um, uh, uh, early August, um, you know, so July to early August is when I'm getting eggs hatching. Um, and that's when I'm starting to, you know, say, okay, well, I don't have any, if you're looking like for a particular mutation or something, it's like, well, I don't have any of those now but you know hit me up in two weeks or something and you have to be diligent about it because they will they 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 get swiped up so fast you know, believe it or not i've hatched bull snakes every year i've hatched bull snakes um i sell out in three months from the hatch date that animal is sold in three months from the wow. date of hatch every single year i mean um now I'm not producing a ton of bull snakes, but I mean, you know, four, four or five. Yeah, I mean, but they're like high. They, yeah, just, I mean, four they, or five clutches a year or so quality. is where I'm at right now. Um, come next year, that's going to double um, because I'm raising an army. <laughs> but um, 
But yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a good I'm army sold, to raise. Man. Sold out in three months. I'm, ex- I'm excited for time. you in the like, future, so, man. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. That's so cool. I think that says a lot about you, though, too, and the time that you've put in with the bull snake community, and and like you said, with the other breeders, where they're now, you know, yeah. they're they're referring their their customers or or inquiries over to you to say, hey, you know, maybe you want to reach out to Travis because he's got you know, blah, blah, blah. I think that says a lot about you as a keeper and a breeder uh, for folks that may not know you. I, I mean, that, your stuff is, is top notch, man. So I think that's pretty, pretty amazing to, to know that if you can get in on, on his, on his bull snakes, I'm telling you, you should. So, so tell us just uh, it, what are, what are your pairings? And so this year is going to be, uh, so every year uh, I usually, I mean, cause I've made multiple pairings that were the same repetitively over a course of years. And I used to be able to tell you almost identically what, you know, what was going to come out. Um, obviously my, my exact <laughs> ratio wouldn't necessarily always, you know, cause sometimes you get an extra mutation of this or you get one less of that or whatever, but um, this year I'm actually doing something that probably I shouldn't, but I'm doing it anyway. Uh, I'm, <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm trying this year to prove <laughs> out some, some possible het genetics in each one of the animals. Um, so I'm making pairs that I've never made before. Um, uh, they're all proven breeders, but I've never paired them with each other. Um, and so I want to prove out some things, uh, whether they have that gene or not for other future breedings and possibilities. So, I mean, uh, so uh, we're gotcha. kind of throwing caution to yeah. the wind a little bit and, uh, we're definitely going to produce some cool bull snakes. There's no question of that, but I mean, um, what's going to come out is, uh, is kind of up to them. Um, we're going to find out whether certain individuals are in fact het for, for things. Um, I think probably my most exciting pairing um, are probably uh, my, I have a Stillwater, uh, Stillwater patternless bull snake that's het um, uh, Miami Exantic that we didn't know was het Miami Exantic. Um, well, so last year, which, which, uh, all of a sudden, I oh, had wow. ex- Exantics pop out of the clutch. And I I, I was expecting, uh, I knew the female was yeah. that. Um, she's a normal that's het Miami Exantic and Stillwater Hypo. Um, and I was expecting just a couple Stillwater Hypos and then just a bunch of double hets um, for het, you know, het patternless. Um, and uh, I got... Miami Exantics and Stillwater Hypos and some pretty exceptional ones at that. I mean, um, and uh, so I'm really excited to have that pairing again uh, to produce some more of those. And then I'm trying that male with a, a Trumboer Hybino uh, or for like Boa folks, it would be a, a, uh, sun glow. Um, but in colubrids, for some reason we call them high bino. I don't know why, but that's just the way it is. Um, but so she, from a previous, yeah, 
She's a hypo albino. And that's that a is hypo 100% albino. 100% het patternless. Um, yep. Het balamexanthic um, as well. Uh, and so um, that pairing, uh, I'm expecting, and the that male is possible het albino. So I could hit on albino patternless. Um, um, I could just hit on patternless. Wow. Um, but uh, all of those animals will be uh, double het for both types, both strains of hypo. Um, and, and possible het both strains. And exanthic. Uh, both strains of exanthic. Uh, and pos het. So, so the female is a het patternless and het the bolum exanthic, or she's pos het. Uh, and patternless. And she's a double visual herself. And so, wow, okay. and then so, the male is a patternless stillwater right. hypo uh, that's possible head albino uh, and 100% head Miami exanthic. So, it's uh, those, regardless yeah, of what wow. pops out, I mean, even if it's just some patternless and some normals, they're, I mean, they're head for everything. <laughs> they're gonna be they're gonna they're be head pos heads. Everything. And, uh, they're so, gonna be head for um, head, yeah. Those head animals will be exciting to hold yeah. back. I really want to work That's with cool. more patternless stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. he said the worst oh, yeah. word ever. Hold back. You're like those. Are, those would be good animals to hold back. He's, he's like he basically just said to everybody, "Oh, this is super exciting. No, this is amazing, that's and that's you have I zero can only chance keep at so getting many. these." I can't. I cannot. I uh, no. There definitely will be animals for sale yeah. for that. I mean, um, that's a cool pairing. Um, uh, we have. We'll produce. I'm. I'm positive we'll produce white sided albinos, um, trumbo or hypo stuff. Um, some Miami Exantic, Stillwater Hypos. Um, it'll be a pretty wide range of, of various things. Um, we uh, we haven't got into a lot of our Miami stuff, um, our Miami Exantic stuff uh, yet, but next year will be um, Kingsville Reds. Um, yeah, I... I was almost tempted to oh, pair those yeah. this year, and uh, I held them off one more year. I want, I want them to get a little bigger, but um, I'm really excited about those guys. Don't, <laughs> don't I? I was about to say, add me to a list, but yeah, don't, you're don't, don't or I have hypo something to pick still up sitting there from you? Well, actually, you've she, been feeding her for me for free. Thank you. So I haven't had to feed her nothing. <laughs> that's like, yeah. oh, that's right. Yeah, you she, didn't, oh, she, oh, dang it! I was hoping I'd uh, get you. Actually, she took her first meal last <laughs> week uh, since November. Uh, she was one of the. She's one of those that uh, just uh, she. Uh, she was eating fine, and then um, as as many hatchlings do, they'll they'll feed great. And then it starts to cool down, um, and they just she got she went off food. So I'm sure that that'll be your experience when you have her as an adult. Is she'll just yeah. she'll just kind of she'll naturally even if you weren't going to cool her to breed her, she'll, she'll just, do it naturally. She'll go off food. I mean, 
I know. I need yeah, to get my butt yeah, into she, gear and, uh, and get over she's there. She's a little spitfire, dude. They, uh, yeah, yeah. They, um, awesome. Yeah, that's the way they, I like uh, them. <laughs> I know you're the only one. That, you're the the last bull snake to to leave the house. Yeah, still sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, you know I get it. I'm just like, I'm just uh, glad you're a patient friend, man. <laughs> uh, we all got stuff to do. For for folks that don't know, I think it's been like uh yeah. like ten months maybe what? since I bought her. Or a year, maybe. <laughs> it was like she like hatched, a couple months before brumation, right? In, so it would have been uh what? Uh, July? Late July? Yeah. Late you, July. I think I don't I, I don't think it, you bought her right maybe away. August, or maybe you right. I think uh, it was probably well, I waited and I'm glad I waited because uh she was going to be a possible holdback or something like that and and then yeah, you finally were like, was, ah, was, uh, I think I'm going to I'm going to sell her." She and then was, was going to be a possible holdback. It was between her and the her sister. And uh yeah, there she's gorgeous though. Oh, In fact, right, yep. I, believe it or not, she actually I think she looks better than the sister, which I can't I can't <laughs> I can't. Don't be giving me no, the switcheroo. Nice Don't give me the switcheroo. Do <laughs> she, uh, yeah, no. I know, I know nice. you uh, are. I I'm like the Trumbor hypo. So Trumbor hypo, Trumbor is, uh, um, yeah, they're a person. They're um, I mean, uh, so uh, Trumbor was the first. Craig Trumbor is was the first person to produce white sided albino. And uh, hypo, um, and uh, believe it or not, they were in one clutch. Uh, those were the first morphs um, uh, in the bull snake community, uh, which is super awesome for Craig um, and mind blowing for anybody else because you're like, how do you get that oh, yeah, lucky? Like that's. Sure. <laughs> um, well, yeah, like, well, the same goes for uh, Argentines. If people that aren't familiar with Argentine boas, both the T positive and the Motley, which is a pure, you know, Argentine uh, mutation, um, both came out of the same line uh, in the same person's collection. Um, <laughs> like, only only two mutations in Argentines to date. Uh, that, they came out amazing. of the same bloodline. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so so the Trumboer hypos are a cool mutation. They're very different from the Stillwater hypos. Um, in fact, Stillwater hypo is is almost not a hypo. I mean, because of it does have some really high black in there, um, uh, but that's they are a hypo. It's hard to explain, but um they're they're both such unique snakes that a lot of breeders yeah. will only work with one or the other and so that's one thing i i have to caution people when getting into bull snakes is if you're looking for to breed um you know pay attention to if if they are hypo or exantic to make sure that you know which line you're getting because they're allelic and so if you breed a stillwater hypo to yeah. a trumbo or hypo you'll get normals that are double het you won't get any hypos and so uh, it's something that you do have to oh yeah i'm, I'm which is actually kind of cool to have double heads 
for the longest time, people were thinking that they weren't compatible in terms of that it was going to cause um, weird, weird mutations in a negative way. But it, that's not the case. Right. Just genetically, they just genetically don't work together. But so when you would have double hypos, let's say let's say you have a clutch of of visual uh, Stillwater hypo and you have a visual Trumbauer hypo, breed those. You get your 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 double heads, and then if you grow those up and then breed those together, yeah. it would be a fifty fifty of either Stillwater hypos or Trumbauer hypos that are then het for right. Or yeah. pos heads for yeah. the other. Okay. And so for anybody that wonders, I basically every <laughs> anytime I ask Travis a question, I in our in our friendship, I've asked him when it comes to bull snake breeding, probably the same question at least a dozen times. At least a dozen times because he's he's helped me through this whole process and trying to figure out like well, it's what hard. I should if you're, get. And if you're looking get to and, breed and you, um, we have there's so many yeah. different mutations. I mean, and and then you start compiling these multi. You know, most bull snakes out there are multi-het. I mean, um, you know, unless you're talking about a specific locality species yeah. uh, or locality, you know, animal. You're you're gonna have multi hets and um, right right. Um, well, yeah. and look look what happened with your with your yeah. Stillwater hypo and pattern. You end up finding albino. out that it's I mean, Miami Exanthic. Yeah, because I mean, apparently just, from the, and the breeder had, albino, yeah. had albinos pop out when they shouldn't have. Um, the the dad, so the dad to that animal uh, popped out albinos when he bred an albino female, and it shouldn't have. Um, so that was like when I had weird Xanthics and weird albinos yeah, pop out on some yeah, quote unquote locality rosy yeah, uh, Remember that? But no, I mean, okay, so you, you have a lot of multi het stuff uh, out there. And so <laughs> you're, you're gonna have, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with, I mean, in fact, uh, they found that the Xanthics, you can actually have a double visual of both types of Xanthics. Uh, yeah. So though they are a lelic, what you can have a double visual. Um, yeah. Yeah. What the hell? And now, granted, they don't <laughs> that, look very oh, different than any right other exantic. But I mean, um, but when bred, when you breed breed it to prove it out, they are actually one hundred percent a visual of both, yeah. uh, both types of exanthic because of the hatch rate um, with that mutation, when, depending on what your breeding is, as long as you know, the genetics of both parents, you know, you can, you know, through some, yeah, some test breeding, you can, yeah. you can figure it out, but I mean, do the math and uh, yeah, there has been double visual uh, exanthics of uh, both lines. Um, like I said, they're, they're not, I try my best to keep them separate into separate gr- breeding groups um, just so I have a better understanding of what is going to come of that. Um, the only reason I'm breeding that Trumbor Hybino, that albino hypo um, female to my Stillwater pattern list is because those are the only two animals that are a, a possibly I, I could pair that are both pattern 
Um, uh, and so I want, I want some patternless stuff that's multi-head um, beyond just the one male. Um, and patternless are hard to find. They get swooped up um, even faster than your average bull snake uh, in the market every year. And so, um, so I really would like to work yeah. with more patternless yeah. stuff. And patternless is a very interesting gene amongst itself is that they're like, it takes all the dorsal saddles and, and side markings away, but then it leaves them this weird kind of peppering. It's not quite a hundred percent patternless. Sometimes it, it has like a, a peppering. Um, in fact, there was, yeah, yeah. The dorsal can have some peppering. Do- Even if you look at my area? Stillwater patternless okay, yeah. um, male, he has like just, a variation in color, uh, you know, um, that he's not just like one stark, you know, hypo color. I mean, there's pattern there. It's just, it's exploded. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so they're, they're an interesting looking animal and, right, uh, right. and albino is a really cool mutation on top of that. And albino patternless are, are pretty neat. I mean, I'm a sucker for albino. I mean, my albino, my my male that I got from you, Fiero. Um, oh yeah, I remember. Then I ended up picking up an albino female Rogs, yeah. last year uh, from John over at Rog Reptiles. He had yeah, so he had some really cool ones. So I'm hoping that I give her another, probably not next season, probably the season after that. If I, if uh, I'm like you, I grow them slow. I don't give them big huge meals and. Um, and she, she was off food pretty much almost all winter, even yeah, though she was in the reptile room, it, it was like, just, she just I mean, didn't want to eat. It takes them a little um, longer, but I mean, um, I'd rather breed something yeah. at four years old, you know, that's, that's got some age and some size to it, you know, that, yeah, right. And, uh, then try and pump them up and, and shoot for that three year old, uh, animal. I mean, males, no, you know, no problem, but. But, there's no, there's no point in rushing. Yeah, the males can go faster. Yeah, but the females are the ones well, really yeah. putting out all I mean, that energy. They're expending the way more energy, so it's better to keep, keep them, them safe I mean, and healthy. When, and, when you, when you see them full of eggs, I mean, so my largest clutch has uh, been 13 eggs out of a bull snake, um, which is not big. I mean, you 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 read about some of these guys that have got seven or eight foot bull snakes, and they've got you know, 20, 20 plus egg clutches and stuff. Um, but my biggest clutch has been 13. Wow. Um, and it's, I mean, you can, it's very obvious that they're full of eggs. I mean, um, it takes up a lot of, of space in them. Um, and, uh, and so, I mean, if your female is too small, you know, I mean, She's not going to be able to pass those well. I mean, they're the eggs going to be, you know, uh, I mean, the eggs pretty big in comparison to them. I mean, you know, all things considered, you know what I mean? Like it's not a, it's not a Python egg. You know what I mean? It's not a carpet Python egg or something, but I mean, they're big eggs. I mean, and um, in fact, I have, um, and this goes yeah. back to, you know, some locality variation and that sort of thing is that 
I have one female that lays super big eggs that are almost twice the size of the other eggs that I hatch. Um, and they're, and the babies are bigger. I mean, but then she only lays about six eggs per year. Um, So having a smaller clutch like that too, and, and when you have multiple genes in there, I mean, you're you're really your odds aren't necessarily going to be better with a smaller clutch. So you're kind of like, oh, you want her to have a healthy clutch, yeah, I mean, but you also want her to have uh, more eggs just so that you can get the better math. I've always paired her with my albino, and uh, I mean, I get um, a, a mix of normals that are multi hat uh albinos and then albino white sided and white sided from that clutch but with only five or six eggs per year you know it's like it's a flip of a coin of what you're gonna you know you might get just one of each one of those mutations and that be it i mean um but those babies come out eating like hoppers <laughs> in comparison to you know where all my other bulls are eating you know fuzzies uh I mean, they're huge babies, um, you know, and uh, so, I mean, they take off really good. I mean, they, that's one thing about bull snakes that are awesome is that as babies, I mean, getting babies started is not an issue. Um, I mean, uh, I mean, I work with a lot of different pythons and boas and some of them are pickier than others and need, you know, special teasing or scenting or this or that or whatever. And bull snakes, like, I mean, I, I take yeah. every one of the babies, I let them have their first shed. And then I take a frozen thawed appropriate size rodent and place it down inside their tub, close the door and move on. And I come back and 90% of the babies will eat on that first try frozen thawed with no teasing, no nothing like that's just so cool. Put it that's in there, awesome. Close the door and go like, and the, where I find and go away. I only yep. figure that out because they're super defensive babies. And so believe it or not, if you try and tease feed them, most of the time they won't take it because they're so focused on you. Yeah. That they're not just, thinking about it. They won't food. go for it. And so, if you, yep. I was just having that same issue with that young female albino um, last week trying to feed her. She ate the first time and then went in there to give her the other one. And I'll normally try to hand it to them just to see if they'll take it. And then she got herself so worked up with the second one. Then I was like, okay, whatever. So I left it on top, on top of her hide, walked away, came back a little bit later, still there. And I was like, I'll leave it in there overnight. Came back. She was all worked up. I'm like, okay. Nothing else matters. All they can think about is defending themselves. Yeah. I find the same thing that happens with uh, defending themselves. Yep. I mean, uh, I do the exact same thing with carpet pythons. They're some, and now don't get me wrong. Some want that tease feeding and that's, you know, that's what keys them up. Um, but a lot of them, they're the ones that seem overexcited and worked up uh, about you. Um, if you put it down there and close the tub and turn out the lights and walk away, I mean, a lot of the time that's when they'll take it because they're not focused on you, the predator, I mean, being in their space. I mean, but yeah, bull snakes are, are yeah. easy starters for sure. They're, and that's right. 
that's why they sell so quickly too, is that, I mean, you know, after four weeks of having them, they're already had five, they've already had four meals in them and they're ready to go. And, and they're I've ready to go. People clamoring to buy them. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's, uh, everything about them in comparison to like boas and pythons is just at breakneck speed. I mean, breeding them, uh, keeping them, I mean, keeping them too, yeah. just in fe- terms of feeding. I mean, uh, you, you feed them once, they'll poop three times. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> like, uh, you know, um, <laughs> that's so, and there's, there's something so special true. about a bull snake poo. That's just, uh, I, I can't, I can't put my finger on it, but it's, it's, as, <laughs> it's, as, it's, it's, you don't want to put your finger smell. on it. Uh, <laughs> that's the um, thing. I mean, when you compare it to, you know, boas and pythons, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, they poop a lot. I mean, they, uh, and it's, it's a hot mess. Yeah. Like, I mean, well, like, so I, I tried keeping years ago, I tried to keep bull snakes <laughs> on newspaper and, uh, that's a bad idea. Um, like you have to, you have <laughs> no, to yeah, use bedding. Dude, you gotta um, do bedding. Because you've got to you have to do betting. I, that's, right. a, that's a great tip that just kind of just kind of came out naturally, folks. But you've got to do betting. I prefer the, the smaller Aspen. Uh, if you can do the chips or the shredded Aspen, that's great. I've used also the small, the small flake pine. Yeah. The small that's flake, flake pine the does really chips. well, almost it's like a cat Aspen. litter. Aspen. Um and I the Aspen Sandy chips works great yeah, on the Sandy, because the Sandy it, chips it are awesome. picks up very similar to cat litter in a sense. I mean, um, and it's, yeah, it, you have to spot clean them because so much they, easier to spot clean. Yeah. If you do paper, you're, you're cleaning the every entire days, tub absolutely. every time. And there we're talking like yeah. every few they, days, they'll just, right. I mean, they'll destroy, yeah, forget that, man. I, they'll I'd destroy be their entire tub clean and, uh, without and then do a deep clean any type later. of localization. The bedding kind of keeps it localized better, uh, and and it's easy to go in there. You spot clean, um, you know, and uh, and then throw that out. And then uh, I just what I do is I'll I'll spot clean, and then if if the bedding gets a little low, if we're getting close to the um, you know the the bottom of the cage. Uh, I'll just take a couple handfuls of fresh stuff and throw it in there. Um, and then, um, and then I just, I set, yep. you know, I set a re- each rack. I just have, you know, at every, you know, depending on the species, certain intervals of just to do full cage clean outs. I mean, but um, to, for sterilization purposes, I mean, but, but yeah, if you're not spot cleaning, it's, it's a mess. I mean, it used newspaper gets really gnarly really fast with it gets it gets they nasty just, real quick it, it'll smear and go everywhere it'll go up the walls i mean um i had i had one snake that he he routinely for some reason like has his tail up the corner of the tub and and then like somehow has enough pressure to projectile it out of the vent holes and onto the floor of my my snake room. What no the joke, heck? man? Like he's in the, he's in the oh. top tub, 
and uh, oh man, and he it'll come through the vents and and be on the floor in my snake room in the front in front of the rack like. When I used paper, when I used paper, it for uh, being, but uh, also yeah. they're, I mean, they're a very, I mean, you know, they're a very active species and, and they seem to appreciate bedding, not only because they'll burrow themselves and, and make them feel more secure. Uh, and, and then just, they, they get That's better the traction on bedding. Yeah. Um, and because they are an active species, they'll, yeah. it, they slip and slide on the, the paper and they just, they don't seem to like it. I mean, um, they seem to do, they seem to be more content that they'll like mound and they'll, they're fascinating to watch it with the bedding. They'll mound it up in certain areas and they'll kind of build themselves like how they want it set up. Um, I've experienced that also inside the inside the CB70 tubs that I have. It's really funny to see them do those mounds, um, and then yeah. how the, the they'll basically just make like a little burrow underneath that. I'm like, okay. I mean, I guess right. they like maybe that extra weight or pressure of the bedding on top of the mound or something. And then the other thing is I've seen them do the mound, but then they'll just coil up in the back corner, but have the mound almost like a, so they'll push the hide towards the front the water bowls towards yeah. the front and the I mound have, of the bedding I, I it's have, like blocking their multiple view multiple adults and, and that's even, the other thing uh, i've, I've seen that that or noticed them do that, that um they will they'll they'll mound up the 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 back row and they'll leave just enough space in the back of that mound at the back of the tub um to you know create themselves like a hide basically um they could care less if I put in hides that they don't like. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I've tried. I've tried a lot of hides with them, and 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 for me, uh, they they haven't liked anything I put in there. Um, yeah, I, I've never tried the cereal box, but, but I don't need a lot cereal of cereal. Box. I got a lactose intolerant family, so uh, cereal is not <laughs> not our friend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that. There That's you not your friend I, at all. Uh, uh, cracker box, cracker boxes. Hey man. So we are, we are over the two hour mark and not that I want to stop the combo, but, uh, we're, we got to wrap it up. Um, at some point we got to talk again. I, I'm hoping maybe we can do like a, like a breeding season wrap up talk a show or something about how your season went maybe after they hatch or, I, I would say let's do it maybe after after your after your clutches are down and then maybe we can talk again. Um that would be a cool series actually, like a whole bull snake breeding oh, yeah. series. Like make it multi episode. this is just off the cuff right now. I'm just thinking out loud, but like maybe do something when all of your pairings or your successful pairings have, have laid and then after yeah. you've you've hatched everything and then yeah. you know, oh, yeah. you know what I mean, you've got and then uh, you know i mean i, I don't know what you think i could go be cool. on for days talking about bull snakes i mean so it's the uh or or just any of the species i work with <laughs> yes. I mean, I think, me too I think I man work with, like close to 20 various things so i mean you know uh we could we could talk for hours on all kinds of stuff man yeah uh, oh man 
and we norm we normally do when we make the time for it. That's what I like about this this show that uh, with Riley is that we've just we we've been able to just make the time to make it happen. Like this week almost didn't happen. Um, we almost had to p- postpone this week, and I was just like in the back of my head, I was like, no, I've got to make it happen. I got to make it happen. Um, I'm glad I did, man. It's, it's been too long since you and I have had a chance to just chit chat and and shoot the breeze and talk reptiles. So it was nice to not have to talk about the right. stress of life and family and what's currently happening in the world and just get excited about, about bull snake breeding. I'm so stoked <laughs> to cross my cross. I got one pair and it's like, if it, it, it's like, if that doesn't work out, I mean, well, you know, well, you know, well, whatever, but um, I'm excited. Cause I'm going to be like, hitting you up like, every time yeah, like, okay what do i do now uh, okay what do i do now fun, man. I can't <laughs> say enough nice things about them i mean they're they're easily well i mean it shows in my collection i mean um uh about half of my entire collection of the all the species i work with half of my collection are bull snakes i mean so it just uh i mean that's yeah yeah i they got a you got a soft spot in your heart for them, and so do I. I, I think as people when yeah. people start working with them, uh, it's it's very easy to see why. If you if you can look past, uh, so I I was putting together like a pros and cons list uh, for people when I do the when we get the show published. Yeah, uh, I think one one of the cons stuff, is um, the poop. Um, but if people can get yeah, they can be messy. So if you can get past that. And you have enough of a collection that you feel that you can keep up on the maintenance, then you got to do it. You got to go for it, folks. Um, and I couldn't recommend Travis enough to to be one of these those yeah. people to reach out to. And, well, and, and the cool thing about check out what he's got too, available as far as a you know, bre- well as later on in the year. So. Out there is that there's there's not a lot of people that are big big time. I mean, in the sense of you know. Um, you know, super out there and have websites and all this stuff. I mean, um, uh, in fact, a lot of the bull snake breeders are, are kind of Bush league. I mean, um, and, uh, and that's just cause they're, you know, of yeah. what they are and, and that's fine. You know what I mean? And, but that being said the the Facebook groups, um, out there are very happy to help answer questions and stuff. And all the, even the bigger breeders of bull snakes, I mean, hundred percent, you know, they're like myself included with, you know, some of the others, I mean, they're, they're all really happy to answer questions and, and, and go over, you know, their care and, and mutation questions and locality questions. And I mean, uh, if you reach out there, um, there's plenty of people that are going to reach back and help you. You know what I mean? I've, I've negotiated, you know, what are what morphs and how those genetics work and stuff with people in Europe that have reached out to me. I mean, um, you know, uh, I obviously had nothing to gain. I don't ship internationally. So, I mean, um, I mean, I had nothing to gain from that conversation, but I mean, we sat there and talked for three hours, like, you know, um, and to me, that's, 
I mean, that's what this hobby is all about. Yeah. I mean, is yeah. helping each other out and, and answering questions and stuff. That's how we learn. I mean, if it wasn't for Toby 16 years ago, letting me annoy him till I'm sure he wanted to pull his hair out, you know, uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be as, you know, <laughs> into the hobby as I am today. You know what I mean, so, uh, you got to, I mean, you, you gotta be helpful. And and that's one nice thing about bull snakes is that there's, there's a big community of people that are willing to help. I mean, I agree. And when, whenever I, I do decide to get on social media, Facebook specifically, the fa- the, the bull snake Facebook groups are, Generally speaking, uh, I don't think I've ever seen or had yeah. a negative experience in those groups. And that's hard to say on some of the reptile groups, man, because it can get it can get a little heated in some of those. But, I, you know, I, I yeah. think it's just easy to say that bull snake people just don't like to deal with bullshit. Um, and it's just that simple. And they're not you know, they're going to give it to you as like, yeah, it is what it is. Here you go. You know, and, and but they're really nice about it, too. Um, um, so anyway, I but, have so how YouTube can people find you, man? Uh, just kind of uh, short little tips and tricks and the occasional what's going on. Uh, just another uh, a visual option to check out that um, kind of see who we are. Um, but uh, so I don't post a lot on there, but that is one way you can find me. Um, Instagram, um, we're very active. Um, on Instagram, uh, Facebook, um, and then our, our website, uh, you can always uh, go to livinglegless.com. Uh, whether you're looking for Facebook or Instagram, those are also Living Legless. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm always happy to have people reach out and um, just shoot me an email and I'm happy to chat all day long about snakes. Um, so, I mean, uh, yeah, it, you don't have to reach out to me to just cause you want to buy something. I mean, uh, you know, I, I like talking about snakes, so man, uh, and I, I work with a, a pretty wide variety of things with various pythons, boas and, and, and stuff. So, I mean, I like, I like chatting with other people about various species. So, so yeah. Awesome. All right, man. Well, we're going to wrap it up for, for, for this show. It's been awesome. Thank you for, for taking the time to, to just, to just chat, man. It's good. I, I, this was a awesome episode. I learned a lot. Hopefully people out there have learned a lot. Um, there's so much more to bull snakes folks. I mean, there is, there is so much to learn out there. The genetics alone can be a little mind boggling, but having somebody, uh, for me personally, like like Travis, when it comes to some of these species, he's like a mentor to me, and I appreciate that more than you know. He's also uh, m- even more importantly a friend, and it's like family. So, um, so livinglegless.com, livinglegless on Facebook, livinglegless on Instagram. Uh, you can find me and Riley uh, at reptileroompodcast.com. Uh, our Facebook is facebook.com slash reptile room podcast. Same with Instagram. Uh, don't forget about that topic suggestion form. I don't know if Riley, you have anything else that you wanted to, wanted to chit chat about? No, that was it, man. 
Nailed it. <laughs> okay. He's been he's been listening to kind of taking notes in the background, but uh all right folks. Well, you can uh take a look at the description of, of the podcast. You'll find links to everything that we've talked about, our different websites, our different social media accounts. Um, oh, that's it, anything man. else I that just, you'd like to uh, like to say, Travis, before we uh, having, wrap up the show, uh, having me on, it was always, it's always fun to chat snakes. So I'm happy. I'm happy to come on and, and I'm pretty stoked that I'm the first one. I mean, I, oh, hell yeah, nobody man. else, nobody else can, can have that title. So I'm, I'm cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm glad it worked out too. And I, I apologize for the late notice, but I, I was just kind of like in my head, I was like, dude, it'd be perfect timing just yeah. coming out of brumation. Like, it, and nobody yeah. talks about them. Nobody talks about bull snakes. Yep. So, all right, guys. We'll have a great night um, for everybody. This show will be at this is episode seven um, and bull snakes and room dynamics with Travis Johnson from Living Legless Reptiles. And this will be airing on March 25th, Wednesday, March 25th. And uh, again, if you have any questions for Riley and I, just reach out to us and we'd be more than happy to get you connected um, somehow, some way with the, and answer all your have questions. A good night, yes. All right, fellas, have a good yeah, night. You too, buddy. You Both have you. a very good night and stay safe and stay all healthy. Right, have a good one. Later. Yeah, Bye. Sure. All, all right. right, guys. Later. Later. Bye.